going live now. So how's it going? Yeah, I got so I'm recording you on the podcast. Um, I don't use the live Podbean that much no more. I'm still trying to figure out how to how to work that out. But I said I'm not even really gonna go through most of the stuff that we typically we cover that later because this this is a hot topic and I have a lot of stuff that has to be said. But what I've done, I know you've seen s- several different things. I was trying to find that MSNBC article or that, that video that I showed you the other night, because I know we were talking about it extensively throughout the through texting throughout the, the, the day. And you were like, hey, man, they're, they're going to release the tape. And when I watched it, I was trying to find out. I was trying to get, um, you know, that video, that YouTube I sent you, you said you hadn't seen it completely yet, but they were live. And what they were doing, one of the things that a lot of people that, you know, that listen to the Bagland podcast, if you didn't see it, there was something that the media was doing that was framing a certain narrative. I thought that was very interesting. One of the things they said was when they first showed the tape, it was almost like they were, they were already getting ready to stir the pot. And I'm really going to go dig. I'm going to dig deep into a different, a lot of different degrees of what I think, how this can go. But one thing they did specifically was they said, well, you don't need to hear the audio. I said, that's very interesting. They called the, the camera, some kind of uh, a top cop device or some cop machine or something like that. But he was a couple blocks away from his parents' house. Um, and what, what, what was interesting about, uh, the lynching of Mr. Nichols was the news before, before the mallet really even dropped before we really even got to see and sit back and kind of take it in. They were already setting it up, talking about, well, you don't need to see the audio. Like, Oh, it was so horrific. You really don't need to see the audio. No, we need to hear some of the audio too. And I noticed when he said that I heard some of the officers or race soldiers, should I say, I heard some of the race soldiers saying something. They were holding this man up, beating him. I mean, it was, it was, it was beyond an ass whooping. Like at this point, it was like, okay, they, they, you had already sprayed them. Y'all got them outnumbered. You were holding them up, hitting them, beating them, all of that. Man had kidney failure, car, heart, cardiac arrest, everything. So this was this was a, a wholesale lynching. And you painted something that was very, very interesting. You said, had these would have been all white cops, the whole damn country would have been burning. And I agree. Oh, man. America dodged a fucking bullet. Boy, this would have been George Floyd times something. I agree. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Oh, man. The way they beat that man, if that was... You would have forgot about Derek Chauvin and George Floyd if that was five white men. This is almost... You know, but but that goes to show you something, man, real quick. Not to veer totally off topic. This is something we'll go back to, but I just want to kind of touch on it real quickly. Where's uh, uh, BLM Mm. and uh, these kind of people? Because, like, at the end of the day, even with Deshaun Hill, the young man over North, the 15-year-old kid... Where's the uproar? Why does it have to be? So what I noticed is it's got to be a white person killing a black person for people to stand up and go up in arms. And I think that's kind of odd. You know what I mean? I think I, I would. So what you get kind of confused here because it's like, all right, 
These are police that just killed a man, beat him to death. They didn't even shoot him, beat him to death. Which is man, that's that's cool, beyond cool. Where where the where's the where's the city shutting down? Where's America shutting down? Why does it have to be the race element for people to go crazy? And here here's another Stop. thing. What's even here's here's the thing that's even odder than that. Now it's unfortunate what happened to Mr. Floyd, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna go public. This Bagland DP on the Bagland podcast. I'm willing to stack my neck out and say this was worse. I'm gonna tell you why. Yeah. Because everybody was involved. Them niggas stood around. You remember like them old days where they would hang a black person and they'd stand around proud? Them niggas were standing around talking shit. They were standing around as if like they were never going to get caught about the shit. Like they done did it a bunch of times. It's a brother for one. Number two, there was no... They looked at the police tape. They already confirmed that he wasn't committing a crime. He wasn't driving reckless. There was no reason for them to do all that. So that means that these Negroes was... This reminds me of back in the plantation. I'm going to bring a little historical context for those who don't know. On the plantation, the master would hire the biggest, burliest Negro to be the overseer. So here's something that I've been telling a lot of my friends. When they be like, well, DP, I want to hear your take on it because I know that you're going to give me the real. And I've been texting some of my homies like, look, there's going to be two main narratives that people probably haven't heard on any other podcast. The first narrative is going to be well, see, see how you black folks is violent. See how you how you do each other. That's going to be one narrative they're going to try to spin. Here's the second narrative. The second narrative is they're going to say, well, you know, uh, damn, I forgot. But OK, so the first narrative is going to be, well, oh, this is black on black crime. Oh, the second narrative is going to be like, hey, there's no racism. This isn't racism, white supremacy. You can't call them a race soldier. You could, hey, these are your own people. Like, what do you black people have to say? Hey, Jesse Jackson. Hey, hey, Al Sharpton. What do you say about your black people? Shouldn't shouldn't you talk to your black people? Shouldn't shouldn't you keep your people in line? So they're gonna. That's two narratives that they're gonna use. I guarantee it. Give it two weeks. What is the third one? Two. Okay. The third one is. The sympathy that you're going to see from the Memphis police force and the police forces all across America as a way to combat their image. They're like, wait a minute. Five black cops just killed a black man. This is a chance for us, A, to throw the book completely at them. Look how fast they got charged. Look how fast they got fired. And, and they don't overstate that police being charged with something and getting fired. That's very, very important because there's a um, police pay into a like a union, you know, like union dues, a job. Yes. They pay in every check for an attorney. So when you get in a jam, there's a pot of money for you to have an attorney. But when you get fired, you get none of those rights. So you're a citizen. You You see what I'm saying? And you're not getting paid. Yeah. And you're not getting paid while everything's going on because you're not on paid administrative leave. So you're not getting paid and you got to come out your own fucking pocket with an attorney. The only good thing is it's such a high profile case that a lot of attorneys will take it for little or nothing just to get their name out there. You know, I want to piggyback their name in the newspaper every day. You point out a good thing about the police union. Now, Maxine Waters, when she was up here, remember what was the kid that, that was, what was the kid that was out there? The, the powder lady shot out there in Brooklyn park. 
Dante. Oh, okay, Dante. Okay, now she came up here talking about, you know how I feel about the Congressional Black Caucus, not big fans of them. Okay, but she had a point. She said, the police unions got all the power. They have all the power because they could kind of bully their, they got lawyers, they could kind of bully their way into position throughout the city. And that pot, like you said, and see, here's the thing while people talking about, well, you know, uh, yeah, you know, niggas can't say nothing because these black cops, these, oh, well, 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 check this out. Like you said, they charge and fire these, they fire these niggas quick. Niggas up here had to burn the city down for Chauvin to get charged. Right? Didn't yeah. they have to tear some shit up? Because they really didn't want to charge Chauvin. They didn't expect for Minneapolis to turn up like they did. And then after a while, they were like, oh, hell no. We're not about to lose another two, three billion. He's got to go. He's one well, look at the look at the article or the statement that Chief Ardondo's office put out right after George Floyd died. They said he died of a medical emergency while he was getting arrested. That was a narrative they was going to push. And it didn't work. Young lady Fraser. The young lady, uh, Leslie Frazier, or I, nah, I'm sure, I don't think no, that, I'm mixing up my Frazier. I don't know her first name, but last name Frazier, the young lady that recorded it and went viral, that's, hey, I hope they gave her a piece of money, man. They probably didn't Because give without money. that, there's no nothing. Yeah, that's what did it. That That's what did it. She, yeah. she, I mean, and the fear of rioting is what got Kim Potter her little uh, four-piece or whatever she got. Here's another thing. You you said something earlier. Okay, these five black guys, you said, okay, this is going to give them where all oh, the sympathy. Now they could say, hey, we'll throw away these niggas, but we didn't throw away their white, no white cops. I need black folks to really understand this, this concept here that this is a, a North situation. This ain't a situation where like Chauvin and, you know, you got to think if that would, we know if that would have been Chauvin. If Chauvin would have been some nigga that was on, on the South Minneapolis beat and that would have been a little white girl, they would have gave that nigga life. He would have got life for that. He wouldn't have got no 10 years. He wouldn't have got no 12. He would have been kneeing no. on her neck. So Who's this, Chauvin? If Chauvin would have been would have been a rookie cop two, three years on the force that was black or if he was, a you know, an immigrant or whatever, they would have gave that nigga 40 plus minimum. He would have never No, no, him. cops, black cops can't kill. Right, yo, you can't kill. And right. they need to understand that, and and not to cut you off, but FYI to any black cops listening to the show, any black cops thinking about any people thinking of becoming cops that are black that are listening to the show, or if you got relatives that are black that are cops and you're listening to this show, you cannot kill motherfuckers if you're black and you're a police. Period. Nope. Get that out your brain. That's some white police can do. They can make you think you're one of them if you're black and you're police, and you can coon it up with them like Nor used to do, and I used to see him do it. You can coon it up like these guys, but guess what? When the fucking finger hits the trigger, they don't know your motherfucking ass. Look how fast the black cops, Nor got fired. Yeah, quick. These, these black cops got fired. That is very important. Now, Nor didn't, didn't have community backing. These brothers are not going to have community backing. You know, yeah. that that's the part of cooning. And yeah, you and, and guess what? You almost have to assume all po- black polices are coons. And, and I hate to be like that because I'm sure there's a couple of you that aren't. And the reason why I'm calling you guys that is not because 
I have all this insight knowledge on all these black cops on an individual basis. It's more to do with the fact of the hiring practice. They're talking to you. DP wants to go in and be a police. Okay. Here's here's the here's the stuff I've been trying to talk to people about, but it goes over everybody's ear. Okay, DP goes in, he wants to be a police. He's doing the training, pepper spray, all that. He passes it, flying colors. How do you know you pass it? Okay, so that's another story. Now you go in for your uh, your interview with him. They're talking to you. Wait a minute, this guy's not a coon. Yeah, they're talking to you. Wait a minute. You look at how he's speaking. Oh no. Nah. Guess what? You know what? You failed all your physical exams, sir. Try again in six months. The, the coon classification Yeah, test. all that all that needs to be looked at. That's why I say all you black cops are coons, because they wouldn't let you be if you wasn't. And and, and, and to put it in, a, in, in layman terms for people that don't understand what I'm saying, I'll say it in a different way. If you're not white and you apply to be a police, they will only hire you if you do not identify with your own race. And you can find the, the hottest Klansman in the world. The most true and blue Klansman walking. He cannot hate you more than somebody of your own race can. That's going to really put, do the damage. And if you see something, race soldiers, now you see your like Eminem kind of white dudes, they don't fuck with them, man. They don't exist. They don't even exist. There's nothing. They've deminimized those person's words that what you see them doing is they're the ones fighting. Now, look at the, the landscape of, of cooning, DP. In the white community, the coon is that white person that's marching for uh, black rights. Right. That's a coon to them. That's a coon, yeah. They've diminished. But guess what? They've deminimized that motherfucker. That motherfucker ain't at Capitol Hill. He ain't nowhere. You know what I'm saying? He's been deminimized. He want to run the streets and shit, throw rocks at us. That's no problem. They've deminimized that motherfucker. He, he can talk, but you ain't making no rules around here. This is what foundationals need to do. They need to deminimize the coon because the coon is, str- is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Decipher the two. Because when I look at white people... I look at race soldiers and I look at white people. White people are just average people just living their life. They don't really know what's going on. A race soldier don't like you. But foundations have to do the same thing. They have to see the coons and be like, hey, that ain't me. That ain't us. Yeah. And, and call them you out. Know? Call them yeah, out. Shit. You got, you call them call out. Them. Not only call them out, come up with a world that they can't exist. They can't infrastructure in. And I thought that happened with HCB. The ATBU schools, but guess what? Now you seen coons running that motherfucker. Yeah, because see what 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 happened with them is what they did. BT coons. Dr. Claude Anderson talked about this for many years. He warned us well over forty years. He he told us forty years. He told us he told us this when me and you were probably in second or third grade. He was down there at Capitol Hill calling them out. Them, the, 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 the Congressional Black Caucus They didn't want him around Because he was calling out Cooner And so they said okay well, we can't have this nigga around This nigga talk to you, this nigga too real He's talking about some real shit and trying to get black folks Reparations since 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 the, eight, since, since the 70s we, we can't have this nigga around And he basically said look In the next few decades What you guys are going to see he says, you're going to have Negroes running around here talking about conservative this, conservative that. He said, let me tell y'all what a conservative is. A conservative comes from the root word conserve. That means, now most black folks are socially conservative, 
But when he's when he's talking about oh politically conservative, oh I'm a con- when it, when they say oh I'm a black conservative and I I really want you to honor me as a black conservative, what they're really saying is I'm getting trying to get down with white Republicans. That's really what they yeah. mean. They they don't mean like okay for example, James Brown, MLK. Most black people were conservative Republicans back in the day, 60s, 50s, 40s. People don't know that. James Brown was a cold-blooded Republican. That ain't the same Republican that we're talking about right now. These were some real niggas, some real revolutionary niggas. Their, their standard was black nuclear family. They didn't believe in butcher and babies. They believed in black families. They didn't believe in none of this intersectional feminist bullshit. Black folks was a little more on cold. Once the black church and the funny time HBCUs got infiltrated, what the, what ended up happening is over time, what they start to say is, well, hell, colder ice is better. Let's integrate, blah, blah, blah. Let's sit with the white folks. We neutralize all your leaders. We neutralize the Panthers. We neutralize, you know, King. We neutralize Malcolm, Medgar Evers, Ida B. Wells. We neutralize everybody, got them out the way. And now what you have is you have the bought and paid for boule Negro the ones like Roland, the ones like uh, Dyson, and all, all all these Negro scholars. Oh, you don't like Eric Dyson? Doctor oh, Eric is his name. Oh, Eric he, Dyson. He, he's one of them niggas. Let me tell you something. I don't say thing. I never said anything public. He one of them niggas. Him and uh, it was him and another dude that Judge Joe Brown ate alive. What was they were on that Black Network, BNC or whatever. This other what was his name? I can't remember his name, but there's some nigga talking about women, uh, men could get pregnant and all that. He was one of them bought and paid for. Oh, man. They were both on there complaining that the new black media, like Black Truth, TBA, um, Tariq, all, you know, and folks like us, they were bellyaching talking about, well, the young people don't listen to us no more. They don't listen to the Rollins and they don't listen to the... They don't listen to us. Yeah, we don't listen to you bought and paid for bootleg Negroes. We done got smart enough, people that's 40 and younger, that got far, smart enough to know that y'all are venomous bastards. Y'all have been bought and paid for by the Democratic establishment. And see, like you said, you said this six months ago, the Dems are going to fall and the new coon is going to, the new coon that they, that they, that they're going to specialize is going to be the coon, the coon Negro conservative. And remember I told, I just said, uh, Claude Anderson had called that out over 35 years ago. He said, you're going to start seeing people, whites specifically, but blacks too, talking about, well, conservative. And and they're not talking about this. I'm not talking about the the, the conservative Republican. Like, I'm not, I'm not talking about like the Kings and the James Browns and, and, and those kinds. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, um, I'm trying, I don't remember the dude's name, but it's some nigga running around and you could see when they come to, but, but they've been kind of getting on his ass lately. They got a couple immigrant coons. That's from talking about the, the Mexican guy, the who the Mexican congressman, not him, but it's, it's some other people that's been running around talking about, well, black folks, you know, ain't no racism and niggas shouldn't get no reparations and all that. When you hear a nigga say some shit like that, then, then, then those are little small talking points and stuff. So what they've done is they've culminated. Um, the Democrats have lost a lot of ground. So they've culminated a lot of situations where they say, well, let's see if we can't conjure up some kind of conservative coon. 
And every time we get a little inch closer to talking about tangibles, anti-black racism, crime bills. Oh, that's another thing. Let's get back to this cop thing. Anti-black racism, crime bill. Now, the Asians, they ended up getting a crime bill by Jim Crow Joe. He signed an executive order for them. Didn't get nothing for the descendants of slaves that built this country. But you got a bunch of Asian shootings where it's Asian men doing this. Black folks ain't ain't, ain't shooting them in, in, in mass tandem. But now what they're going to say is this. Well, hey, you don't need an anti-black racism crime bill. Look what your black officers did. These are black people. They, you should talk to them. The black community should call this out. That's that's the narrative that they're going to spin. I guarantee it. Give it two weeks, bro. You're going to start hearing some nah. Negroes coming out talking about, well, hey, um, they ain't gonna say that. You talking about the coons? The coons are gonna say that, but they'll they, have the coons say it for them. They're gonna have somebody, some Candace Owens. They gonna have her come out and talk some shit like that. They gonna have a few oh man. That's gonna I was go. gonna send you a clip <laughs> the other day. Did you see that clip? No, no, I didn't see it. She's at some, uh, she's at some, uh, I don't know, round table or talking to some school or something, and somebody brought up reparations to her, and the. Anger in her voice when she said, "Absolutely not, no way." <laughs> oh, Just the anger in her voice. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like, here's my thing: is that hey, anybody can have their opinion, right? But I don't like you if you tell me, you know what, Phil? I'm owed some money by uh, you know, by this, this organization or whatever. So you know, say this bank, uh, deep Phil, this bank owes me, you know, a couple hundred dollars, and I say, no, they don't. They don't owe you nothing. I mean that was, that that really shows that I don't like you. You know what I mean? I don't have anything to do. With it. I don't know anything about that. What they owe you and what they don't owe you? Because she's not a foundational. So for a non-foundational to say like that's for me to say DP and I owe reparations. Ain't no blacks owe nothing. That that's hate behind that, that. That's like you know what? That's like me saying, for example, that's like me saying, well, the Caribbean. They shouldn't get reparations from France, or Haiti shouldn't get reparations from France, and South Africa shouldn't get reparations from the UK. I'm not eligible for not a dime that South Africa and none of the African nations get from the from Europe. But if they're talking about trying to give them niggas some money, just like um there was a genocide in the early 1900s in um uh, Gambia or, or Zambia or one of them places, it was one. This is a Holocaust that they don't talk about. It was on a place called a concentration camp called Shark Island. Slaughtered a whole bunch of black folks. I've been talking about it the longest. Germany needs to cut the check. Y'all, oh, pay up. And guess what? I, I, I'm i not eligible for that. But, but, right, but, but you support old, it. I support it. Y'all you supposed, to, you you supposed support to get your bread. Oh, well, we got we we got an on-code brother. We got some revolutionary niggas over there to stomp it down. Okay, what's y'all's cash at? What's your PayPal? Because you know what? I, I'm, not, I'm not eligible to get it. But y'all are supposed to get that. I'm not going to sit there and say, well, hey, you know, I'm not eligible for it, so y'all niggas ain't supposed to get it though. No. It don't it don't it, it don't it don't work that way. And see, what they do is they pay these coons and these sambos, and they say, and most of them come from immigrant backgrounds, and every now and then you'll get a Larry Elder or a few or, or some I forgot this one nigga from Georgia, some you you'll get a foundational here and there. But generally what they'll do is they'll and this is why they do this. They'll get somebody that they propped up and groomed politically over time. And then, you know, as a black person, foundational descendants in the slave, we looking at it like, oh, this is another brother, whatever like that. And then we start kind of paying attention and listening to what this nigga saying, like, wait a minute, bro. 
Where is he from? And a lot of times, this is what they specifically do a lot of times. They usually get them, sometimes they'll get them from Nigeria. They get a lot of them from the Caribbean. Stephen A. Smith's a prime example. Roland Martin's a prime example. He said they. They get them. They get them. DP, now who? You got to understand something, DP. Now, this is very very strategic on the part of race soldiers, and it's something that foundationalists can do themselves. Foundationalists can can uh, sponsor people from Africa, bring them here and teach them the real history, cuff them. Because here's what whites do. These are allies to them. Not only allies, it's like you own a store, you owned a store at one time. You own a store and you, you, you want customers in your store to spend money. Right. You don't care who they are. You don't give a fuck. You want them to spend money. So now equate spending money to paying taxes and spending money in stores. So in America, white America, Brings foreigners to America. That's people that that's potential money. Right. These guys are going to spend money with us. Not only that, they're bringing them here, and they're 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 the ones that are usually for you to come to America. You're leaving a war-stricken, poverty, famine, third world country. So who are you going to be loyal to? You know, that's just common sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's sad, but it's a sad reality. So a lot of these immigrant coons. Are in, it's like it's like almost forced channeled coonery. Because who are you going to be loyal to? You're going to see, you know, this white man that just brought you to America, taught you everything you know about America. You know, you're going to have a certain loyalty to him. And then, like, Africa isn't like America. America, for the most part, has a universal educational system. Okay. What you learn in Minnesota... At school, in elementary school, you're going to learn in California, New York, and L.A. And you know what I mean? There's no, it, 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 you feel what I'm saying? Public school is public school. Not to say you're going to learn a lot or learn a little, but the curriculum is basically the same thing in America at school. Africa is, what, 52 countries that have maybe in those 52 countries, probably 10 languages, five languages per country. So... There's 52 different educational systems and educational in rural parts of Africa is looked at not as mandatory. It's looked at as a skill. Okay. So what I mean is, okay, if you're like DP, who was a very intelligent student, you know, a very smart kid. Okay. They will encourage you to go to school. You know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? So if you're just one of these little average students, you know, don't really, you know, they leave you there wasn't really nobody's pressing you like I have a 17 year old nephew or my aunt's 17 year old son he don't go to school you know what I mean so school is looked at differently and on top of that there is no um, you know you're you're, you're there isn't really world history this is you know so what happens is when a lot of these foreigners get to America they don't know majority of them don't know the real history of foundationals and they ain't gonna be taught by whites as we know, everybody going to school, they ain't going to tell on themselves. That's why white people don't really tell you what really goes on in America in school, because they're telling on themselves. You ain't going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Right. I would propose foundationals start spot start with yourself, DP. And then it's also a financial investment in the individual. Yeah, it's, so for whites, that's another form of slavery. Because when you sponsor somebody, you you 
within the first three to five years, if if things ain't going the way you think, you can get rid of them. Really? Yeah, you can send them back. You know, if you see within that three to five years, if you see that they ain't, you got legitimate reason, like all oh, this motherfucker's getting arrested, or he's out here drinking, he ain't working, he ain't doing this. You really fuck that shit up. Yeah, you can. You really can. And then another thing I just found out the other day, you know, whites aren't even allowed in Eritrea. Oh, they banned them. It's not publicly said, you know, but, you know, I mean, if you're white, you know, and I was asking about it yesterday, if you're white, you go to Eritrea, man. You ain't going to, you know, they ain't going to let you sleep. They're going to be following you around and, you know, it's not going to be fun. Whites ain't really too... You won't be having no. You ain't gonna be running around there, going to bars, fucking the girls. Oh hell no! Nah. <laughs> <laughs> they getting rid of you quick. You know what I mean? They gonna they probably and they won't if you white. They probably won't arrest you. They don't want that kind because they will arrest Eritreans that are American citizens. But they probably won't do that to a white dude. They would just cut. They just say, hey, man, where's your ticket? All right, we're gonna you gotta go. Go on back. They, yeah, they, it don't work like that. They, they, there's been the mainstream hasn't been covering this, but I've been seeing this for a few weeks. The Madonna, and she's been dressing up. She adopt little black kids and buck break them and put dresses on them and turn them into girls and all that bullshit. She's been accused of trafficking, and I believe it 100. percent That a lot of African, some of the African nations over there, have been like, "Hey man, don't, don't come over here," because, like you said, they get these kids, these little sick white liberals. They get these kids, and they. They, they try to destroy their gender like they'll, they'll the slavery like you said they'll and this has been this has been going on for a minute I don't know if you heard my last uh, episode but I went pretty hard on these white LGBT dudes down there in Georgia they were two husbands they adopted some kids they were selling the kids raping the kids all kind of shit and the white oh, LGBT yeah. and the Democrats have not said a word so I'm at the point of starting to label motherfuckers to say alright if Ain't nobody saying nothing about it, and only the little the little small outlets like myself or some of the small little little alternative media outlets are saying something. Then y'all are co-signing that shit because this I mean this is a real big case. They're talking about putting a Rico on them dudes because this they had this big giant house man that they really couldn't afford and they were just selling those kids and you know like you know and then you know going back to this. Going back to this situation here in Memphis, one thing, another thing I want to point out was the reporter kept saying the word peaceful protest. They showed a little small little little protest that was going on at the time, and they kept saying, well, let's let's see the protest. Let's see the protest. I noticed how weaselly the news was doing on MSNBC. Um, what they were doing is they were trying to frame a narrative. They were, be, they were being like a double-edged sword. They were framing a narrative. They kept talking about, well, you don't need to hear the audio. Then I seen some footage somewhere. There's a lot of different footage out there um, on those, uh, what do they call them, little, little body cams. I seen some real clear, clear footage in some other media outlets as well. And I noticed one of the cops that supposedly got sprayed with mace or whatever, I noticed he kept, he was one of the few cops that I seen with the, with the body cam where he kept walking away from the scene. Over and over and over and over again, he walked all the way down the block, and and I noticed. I said, I think he's trying to walk away so he doesn't catch 
this this beating uh, to the degree it was. I mean, it, 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 if you've seen did it, he, it, did he put hands and feet on the guy at any point in that video? Oh, I'm trying to think if he did. Because it's five, so they charging all five of them. But there's more. So there's more. There was more than five cops there. There was. They're talking about investigating and charging others along with them paramedics because. Now you know what they call those those five. They call them the Scorpion Unit. The Scorpion Unit. They're like a gang unit or some shit like that. They're talking about. Yeah, they call them the Scorpion Unit. So guess what? Like I texted you earlier, it's going to be very interesting as this case develops to see what their defense is going to be. Because obviously, I mean, you know, it's going to be hard to have a defense in that situation, right? Right. I I would like to see what they were ordered to do. Like I told you, you remember when Chauvin, I think it was at the sentencing hearing, you remember when he told George Floyd's family, he's like, when I appeal this case, there's going to be some information y'all would really like to hear. Right, yeah. Remember when he said that? Yeah. And then they shut him up somehow, you know what I mean? You know what he was, I believe what he was saying, and the same thing I want to hear with these five is, what was he instructed to do when he went over there? Hmm. That's interesting. You know what I mean? Because that's always, that's always, you know, like what was said over the walkie-talkie. What was, you know what I mean? That's some stuff that really needs to be, you know, that can, that, that, because you got to assume what fucking defense do you have in that scenario? Chauvin at least could have said, hey, man, I didn't know he was going to die. I thought I was just kneeling on him. These guys, they ain't got no defense. None, none. And and that's, and none. See, now we're digging into the who picks the jury uh, 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 the who picks the jury? It don't matter concept. who picks the jury, DP. These guys are going all. Trust me when I tell you, they're all, all done. Now, when you say it doesn't who, matter, even if they were white, white, black, anything. Oh, yeah, it, there, there's no way these guys are getting off. There's rap. no way. It's a public it, relations nightmare. But when you use you use that term, that that that, that the terminology, you came up with that terminology. Who picks the jury? It goes deeper than the jury itself. You said who picks the jury? That means. Who there, actually, who's picking that? Who actually That's what you need it. to know. So the person, the same person that picks that jury, wields the power of who was told for this. Because listen to this, this is this is an article from News Three WREG Memphis. Memphis Scorpion Unit permanently disbanded. Memphis police announced on Saturday they have permanently disbanded the Scorpion Unit, the organized crime group. The five officers accused of killing. Tyree Nichols were assigned to. In a statement, Chief C.J. Davis says she made the call after listening intently to the family of Tyree Nichols, community members, and other officers on the unit. It is an interest. It is best interest to dis, uh, to permanently de- deactivate the Scorpion unit. Davis made the announcement a day after defending the unit, crediting it, crediting it with 2,000 felony arrests and getting 800 guns off the street. The Scorpion unit was under scrutiny after Nichols' death. Attorneys to the Nichols family had called for the Scorpion unit to be disbanded. So, this is what Chief Davis says. I think it's probably a healthy thing. I'm glad Chief, or, or Mulroy. Okay, Mulroy. Okay, D, okay, so the DA down there is Steve Mulroy. He weighed in on a decision. Now, Mulroy said, I think it's probably a healthy thing, and I'm glad Chief Davis is taking decisive action there. There's been scattered reports of abuses by the Scorpion unit. And then nationally, 
Some of these quick swarm suppression specialty units sometimes can lead to over-aggressive tactics. Now, attorneys Ben Crump, and you know where this is going with Crump in, involved. You know where this is going to go. Attorney, he's already there. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he's already there. But you, yeah, you, you, you know what's going to happen after this. It says, attorneys oh, Ben yeah. Crump and Antonio Romanucci released the following statement. The, no, the Nichols family and their legal team find the decision to permanently disband this unit to be both appropriate and proportional to the tragic death of Tyree Nichols and also a decent and just decision for all citizens of Memphis. Now, there's two things that's going to happen right here. And first, I'm going to give my analysis of the Scorpion unit. 2,000 felony arrests, 800 guns off the street. This, this black police chief, there's no single solitary way that she didn't know that these niggas were beating the living fuck out of people. But they felt like, well, hey, they getting guns off the street and they making arrests. So they didn't give a fuck. So first of all, we got to get that. We got to get that down, you know, first and foremost. We, we, we got to get that under wraps first and foremost. They didn't really give a damn what these Scorpion unit niggas was doing. One of the cops was a, a correctional officer before he was beating the shit out of people in jail. So, yeah, the, the Scorpion unit. If you if we went down to Memphis tonight and went and said, man, let's go get some barbecue. And we went into different hoods, North Memphis, Orange Mound, Frazier unit, whatever. And we say, hey, man, what you know about the Scorpion unit? I guarantee you niggas on the street be like, man, they be fucking niggas up down here. They be doing this. They be doing that. Because when they were hitting them, they sounded like street niggas. They was calling them a bitch and oh, I'll break your arm. And I mean, they get sounded like some street niggas that they get, they get hire some street niggas and put them on the force. That's what it really sounded like. And even when after when when that brother was his, the cuffs were still on him. And they had pretty pretty much almost beat him to death. They were huddling up like it was a football game. They were talking shit and standing up there all proud and, and this, that, and the third. And I said, okay, they've been doing shit like that. They've been beating people half to death. Up there. Well, that was it. That was there. But was that the narrative to hire them? And was that ever said to them and put in writing? Somebody like, we're going to hire y'all, but we want y'all to fuck your own people up. Yeah, somebody told him, hey, man, do whatever the hell you got to do to get the Baltimore is the exact same way. I own property way. in Baltimore. Yes. Baltimore, you got some niggas, man. You got some niggas that are police, man. Like, you like, what? How's this guy even got a high school diploma? You know what I mean? Like, guys that you would see like serial hood niggas, hood hitters. I'm like, oh, they hire y'all. Look, we're going to hire y'all. We're going to pay you 50 grand a year. But guess what? We want y'all to only fuck with your own people, just like North. You said Baltimore. So you, okay, so you, yeah, so, okay, so you got, you went out there and got some property out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, I've had property there for almost over two years. Oh, okay, okay. What's the difference between Baltimore and Flint? In Flint? Yeah, because you had property oh, out Flint there. Flint doesn't too. have nothing. Flint ain't got nothing You know what I mean Baltimore Is a Is a place with money You know what I mean But just You know Really can't work in Baltimore And really make some real money The only thing with Baltimore Is the place is so expensive That A lot of niggas get fucked up And a lot of people get fucked up In Baltimore Because you don't have like a At least a two year degree Some kind of trade Or Man it's hard to really make it out there You would need two jobs so that's why a lot of people get involved in the hustling and, you know, the the robberies and, you know, pimping and that kind of world. And the police out there are just as corrupt as the people. I can imagine. Which is why you see a lot of the, you know what I mean? When you get to the big cities out the east, the out west, 
you know, it, it the place is like you're not gonna work at Target, you know, get you a full time job at Target and come home, and you know, the the place is too expensive. Mm. You know what I mean? Even Minnesota's getting to a point where it's starting to get outsourced. You know, yeah. It so is. if you think about it, you know that that's why that's why you see a lot of it. It's not like Flint is a poor place, bro. Poor place or a poor mentality. You know, when ignorance meets uh, brokenness, it's Flint, Michigan. You know, now what's the difference? When ignorance, Flint? ignorance, and lack of opportunity connect, you get a place like Flint, Michigan. Now, what's the difference in your? Because you, you know, you got property in East St. Louis too, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so East St. Louis, they'll kill you, bro. Bottom line, bottom line, it's the murder capital of America. They will kill your ass. It's now a place. So I, I had some uh, premium um, Jordans on when I went out there. Man, this motherfucker was like, man, I'll fuck you up over them Jordans. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And they came up to us and they want to know who we knew and what we was working on this house. And, hey, I ended up getting the guys to work with me. I was like, hey, man, I'll pay you $100 each if you want to help with what we doing. That kind of sparked them a little bit. But they was going to rob us or at least make us pay some kind of tax. For being on their block, yeah, it's a whole this little bullshit you see here in Minnesota, man. That ain't, you know, that's play, play, man. You wouldn't get to around some real motherfuckers that'll shoot you for nothing. Minnesota's getting to that point, man. They'll shoot you because they know the police ain't gonna do nothing about it, and no one in the neighborhood's gonna talk. So out there, you know, they, there's a whole other atmosphere, man. It's a whole other world. So it's, it's East, East St. Louis. Out of the two, between East St. Louis and, and, and Flint, what is the major difference? And, and, and when you own a property, the major of- difference, the major difference between East St. Louis and Flint is Flint, Michigan has the potential to grow. Flint, Michigan has influential white people over there, and they got some celebrities. So you know they just need a little love from the city or from the from America to kind of grow. East St. Louis, you're not walking around East St. Louis unless you're on some bullshit. There ain't no influential people over there. You know, Flint, Michigan just doesn't have running water. I mean, you can't drink the water. You know what I mean? There's no, the econ- it's just an area that's been forgot. Somebody comes down there with like, you know, I got two houses out there, but one of these ball players or something from out there, Draymond Green, one of these guys comes and really put 30, 40 million into that spot. It just needs to be, you know, movie theaters, and it just needs to grow. It just needs love. All Flint needs is love. East St. Louis don't need shit. Ain't nobody in East St. There's just nothing there. <laughs> so, if you, so if you pulled up in the bins in East St. Louis, them niggas might get whacked. You're getting robbed. They're getting robbed. Nah, hell nah. You just pull up. Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? What are you doing? You just you just basing, just pull up somewhere and you just start playing your music and shit. No, nah, you get some nigga that you know you you know you you done flew in you you done flew into the St. Louis airport and you said I'm about to find me a little thick ass hood right out here and see a St. Louis. You just pull up. You will get fucked up. <laughs> nah, yeah, they they you ain't playing over there, man. Like if you going to East St. Louis and you got a friend or something or a lady friend, and you going to see her and you in the house. You cool, but any of that, especially if you're like somebody they don't know out there, they know that you don't know nobody. Right. So they're gonna yeah, they'll try you. 
for the emphasis that you ain't, you ain't don't even know who anybody is, how, how you gonna tell on us? Ain't nobody gonna, and there ain't no telling in East St. Louis, them kind of places. So like, the cruises get you back. So like, if you, you come over here to our neighborhood and you fuck up one of our guys or you kill one of our guys, we're gonna tell the police, we don't know what you're talking, we don't know. We don't know nothing, they'll take care of it themselves. So it becomes a, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a different animal, man. So yeah, you, East St. Louis, you don't want to be playing around over there, man. You just leave that shit alone, you know. So when you go out there for your property, you you so you kind of kind of network with some people, and they kind of know who you are and all that when you come through. No, I don't have to go out there anymore. Oh, okay. Property's rented, so all they gotta do is pay rent. So I don't have to be out there. Okay. That part is over, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't have to be sitting out there doing that. I'm cool. I, I, that's not a trip I would like to make frequently. So, because so, you're just playing with fire. And I'm right in the middle of the hood. Like, I, they got homes out there. And now, DP, you can put your money where your mouth is. They got homes five, six grand. So, so like, if you, let's say they mess up the toilet or they just do anything to the property. Do you no, you got it. You call a contract oh, and nah. go out there? Or just... Nah, there's a property management company that I work with. Okay, okay. In the in the St. Louis area. Okay, so you that, ain't gotta do well, that. Well, yeah, I don't have to be out there for any reason and I have homeowners insurance which means I can rent to anybody and whatever they do in there I ain't held responsible. Okay. If you own a home and you don't have homeowners insurance and you're not registered as a renter and you just renting to somebody bootleg, you're responsible for everything they do in there. Somebody gets killed in there, you liable, there's a lot of stuff, you know, but so I don't, you know, that's that's not a place I want to go. But you could buy a home out there for about five or six grand, put about ten in it, fifteen grand. You got a house in East St. Louis. Yeah, I'm looking at. I'm on Zillow right now. Okay. Now go to Zillow and go to lowest to highest on your prices. Go to lowest to highest. Are you on there? Yeah, you ain't lying. Eight thousand, twenty-seven thousand. It probably was cheaper a few years ago. Yeah. For, okay, for forty thousand, this same little bullshit house right here. I'm looking at Minneapolis. They probably want one one sixty right now. Uh, you know, I, mean, I, I ain't gonna lie. It, you got a pretty nice sized backyard. Oh yeah, all that is cool. But what are you gonna do with it? You gotta also understand. The rent in East St. Louis is yeah, not like the rent in Minnesota. You know what I mean? Some, you know, oh yeah, you get it. You're gonna put another fifteen grand into it. But a one man for forty-eight. Listen, man, for four, for forty-eight thousand dollars, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, a, like a, if I put it like this, if I if I lived in Missouri, if I had like another crib in Missouri, and I just wanna, you know, man, I'd go over there and get a ass ten down and say, look. You know, and like if I just want to have another place, and this this looks like a block where it ain't even a lot of people. It, it don't look like there's nobody around at all. Nah. It, I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, you know, what I'm ain't saying too is many that, people living out there. Yeah, I mean this this ain't this really ain't that bad, bro. For forty eight thousand, because I know in Minneapolis, I seen I seen forty eight grand or four grand. Forty eight thousand, yeah. For, oh, forty eight thousand. You got a mansion, bro. Now I see twenty seven. You gonna spend twenty if you spending that kind of money, 
Man, you have a mansion in that motherfucker, DP. You could spend six, seven grand. You mean like you, I mean, you putting some good money into it. Like a you know, you putting some decent. Yeah, well, like you know, foreclosed house or boarded up house. Fix oh, me upper. A fixer upper. Okay, what so they call him? Yeah. So okay, so you could go in there with five grand and just be like, here, let me get that. Yeah, let me get that real quick out you. You know what I mean? And you fix it up yourself. First thing you do is, I mean, you start a company, a restoration company, which I got. So you buy the home under the restoration company umbrella, so then you can write it off. The little six grand on the house and everything you... Uh, everything you... Uh, whatever, you know what I mean? Everything you uh, write by for the house. You can write all that shit off. Yeah, I'm you know what I'm talking about? I want for ten thousand for eleven grand in, in Korea. Yeah. So what I did is this, and this is a little tip for all you young people out there. So I opened a restoration company, which I remodel apartment buildings. So I took that company and with the bank account for it, put the money in that account, and then bought the house with that. So now you can write off every little thing in that house. And uh, you can write off the actual house itself. The only drawback to that that I didn't really notice, that I didn't really peep at the time is the money in East St. Louis, Flint, Michigan, ain't Minnesota money. So when you rent it out, you know what I mean? You you know, you ain't going to get no more than four or five hundred a month. Mm. You feel me? Right so that there. can be kind of so that can be kind of a uh, that can be kind of a you know take you a little bit to get your money back but it's sustainable income and if you live there you know it could really be something now what about the city of St. Louis not East St. Louis but St. Louis the city of St. Louis is no different than anywhere else and that house is one of the houses or the house I own in East St. Louis it's 10 minutes away from downtown St. Louis. It's actually, there's two East St. Louis. There's East St. Louis, Illinois as well. That's the one I'm talking about. So, yeah, when they, I mean, no, when you say East St. Louis, two parts of it. There's the, the part that's in the Illinois area and the part that's in the Missouri area. Oh, okay. So it's almost like, you know what I mean? It's almost like if you go to Minneapolis and you see the, the uh, and you see the um, the little cutoff from St. Paul to Minneapolis, the border. It's like that. But so you're 10 minutes, miles or 10 minutes away from downtown St. Louis. So you could, you know, quick drive over there. Yeah, St. Louis in itself is, it's like any, you know what I mean? It's like Chicago. You go to, everybody says all these bad things about Chicago. Why don't you go to the north side of Chicago? What's bad over there? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, you know, so it's all about that. But East St. Louis is not a place that people go on vacation or that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Ain't nobody trying to be out there like that. Hokia, Illinois. There's a lot of fixer-uppers there. I mean, I'm seeing shit for 10,000. Oh, yeah, 20, Decatur. A lot of them. What you do is this. You fix it up. You get all the insurance necessary. And then you rent it to who you want to. Or... 
you can get a Section 8 voucher. You got to make, you know, you got to make the house for you can accept Section 8 in it. Then you just find people a homeless shelter or this and that. Hey, man, you got a voucher. You got this. You got that. You can rent it yourself. Oh, okay. And then the city will pay you your bread. If you get it on Section 8, the city will pay you every time they move out for all the damages. Wow. Yeah, but you got to be one of them people, like for us, it's good because you're born and raised in the hood. You know what I mean? You got to be, you're going to be ranked to some hood motherfuckers. You know, if you don't give a fuck, why not? I don't see why, you know. Restoration. Now, now that's something you recommend for young guys. Young guys, it's like, hey man, I don't want to be going to college forever. You know, I got five, ten thousand, or you know, I'm, I'm, I'm get a restoration. Really, don't need to go to college anymore. No, I mean, you don't. If you got, you don't need to. But if you got the mind for something, you know, and you want to get certified in that, you know, like you with computers and all that, yeah, I'm all for it. But it's not necessarily mandatory nowadays. You know, they got a lot of different, different little, you know. Yeah, the thing and with what IT, like I was telling people, you know, because of a lot of artificial intelligence coming out right now, um, it's going to wipe out a lot of coding software development jobs. But one thing I did find out, you know, the big things right now with IT is AI, learning some of that, machine learning. Um, the data center, they can't get away from that. You know, they got they need people in these data centers putting in these routers and these switches and doing a lot of cabling work. Um, Salesforce. Uh, they need a lot of Salesforce administrators and Salesforce developers. That's basically a system that works on like for sales and stuff like that. Um, and then cybersecurity. Now, all those things I just named, they're not going nowhere. So anybody listening tonight, if you want to go into IT, yeah, you might be cool. Start off at the help desk or some shit like that. But um, you you wanna you wanna get into learning the AI, uh, specifically cybersecurity, Salesforce, and working in the data center. Because anytime there's a new implementation, anytime they're putting in an ATM somewhere, anytime um, there's a company that's getting ready to install uh, systems and things of that nature, they need people to, you know, it's going back to the trade thing, the trade system. Um, you can run cable, fiber optic, all of that. You know, anytime there's a new building, they need people to run cables. And there's a lot of money in that work. You can make up to $160 an hour. I just had a contract that I just ended doing API support. Basically, whenever you make a credit card payment, there's something behind all of that called an API. And so I'm probably gonna find me another contract and stuff because I'm working. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's, especially with this pandemic, there was a lot of money for the taking. And, you know, I, 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 I've been saying this for years. I've been saying this for a very, very long time. Um, that, you know, if you're a young person, I mean, tech is a great place to go. And like you were telling, you were telling the people just now, you can get into tech, get you some real paper, make anywhere between 75 to a hundred thousand dollars a year or so. And then you could turn around and, you know, you could find you a property or something like that. And, you know, you can either live in it or you can rent it out and then get you another property and you, you know, and get a restoration company under an LLC and write a lot of that off. Oh, man, you could write off the actual house, everything you buy for the house. 
that's a you know that's something that people really need to look at you know like, so like, let's get back to what we was talking about here earlier we kind of got off yeah, topic did. here one of the things that race holders are really the two the two big things that they uh benefited from this memphis situation is a the weather and b the fact that it was a uh it was other black cops Boy, had that been five white police officers, the problems America would have right now, boy, uh-uh. nothing nice. That's scary. That's scary, you know what I mean? And it's scary, but like we go back to, if you're the defense, now if you're, if you're them five cops, and you were told at any point, man, man, fuck them niggas, you know what I mean? Them niggas, man, you better beat on them niggas if you want a job. And this was ever in writing or email or anything like that. There's going to be some people going down with them. Oh, yeah. Because what would your defense be? If, even if you're a defense attorney, what the fuck would your defense be to that? Yeah, I, I don't know. If I was a... Okay, let, let me think about myself as being a, an attorney. I don't know what I would tell my client. I'd be like, man, this is rough. I mean... If you were Chauvin, with Chauvin's attorney, you easily could say he was high off of drugs. I wasn't really kneeling on him like that. That's why he died. So you have an argument. Some, even if it wasn't a strong one, you had an argument. But these guys, what would you say? Please. The dude was high off of something, so yeah. it didn't matter if we killed him. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't going yeah. nowhere. I mean, the see, way they beat him. Yeah, they, and see, they can't really demonize it. They're going to try. They're still going to try, but right now, it's just it, the public... The public outcry is too bad. Oh, yeah. The, the defense is going to be this. The defense is going to be this, DP. The defense is going to be all five of them cops saying it wasn't me. Even I'm not, boy, what I did didn't kill him. Well, oh, what are they going to say? What I did didn't kill him. It was what he did that killed him. You know what I'm talking about? Because five people can't kill somebody. Who had the death blow? You know what I mean? What shot killed him? They're not you know going to be able to determine that. That, that. Okay, he had a cardiac arrest and kidney failure, that, which means that some, one of y'all beat him to the point this man had kidney failure. And he had uh, uh, not Lyme's disease. He, he had some other health problems as well. They might try to use that. I could see them doing that grimy shit, saying, well, he already had health problems. They can try to say that, but that's how is that going to work? How is that going to work in front of a jury saying, well, hey, if y'all wouldn't have beat him, he wouldn't have had these ex. He wouldn't have died. Yeah, they better just plead. Hey, man, the hardest thing to do for anybody, no problem. The hardest thing to do for anybody when you're under trial and you face something is to keep your money and just admit guilt. You know what I mean? Put the money on. Just what I tell every young person: put the money on your books and at least have a decent kind of time in jail because you just waste some money on attorney. Because in five, you're done. You're done. Like Chauvin, he's trying to run another case. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's trying to get he's an He's thinking appeal. if I can get out of Hennepin County, I'm good. Nah. What he doesn't realize is this is the opposite. Now, we were talking about who picks the jury, right? Right. Okay. Now, who picks the jury for Chauvin will be the opposite. Because here's the thing that's working against Derek Chauvin. Absolutely nobody besides your kind of cornball, racist kind of, you know, kind of folks. Nobody wants them out. Race holders don't want them out for the fear of rioting. They, they cannot have that under almost a billion dollars worth of damage. That can't happen. 
They can't if, if if they had a choice. All right, a billion dollars worth of damage or Chavez's ass goes back to stays in jail. Chavez's ass was staying in jail. So who picks the jury? They're gonna make sure his ass. I don't care where you want this trial. We're gonna pick a jury where your ass is going to jail. <laughs> your ass is staying. You know what I mean? It is not hard. All right, we got DP. We picking DP. His name came up for the jury. Let's go on DP social media. Oh, okay. DP's a. Uh, he supports his race of people. All right, we're going to put him on the jury. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ooh, yeah. They have their ways of doing it. So they're shopping. I would tell him, put your that money, keep it on your books, go find the biggest shot caller in that jail and pay him to protect you. That's it. That's it. Because when you get to the point, DP, we're talking about rioting. How much money did just Minnesota lose in rioting? They, they've Think about lost it. Well over two hundred million. Well over two hundred billion. Two hundred million. Well they, over two hundred million. Two hundred million. Hey man. So if, if if Minnesota had a choice, all right, we could probably lose three hundred billion this time, or we could just keep his ass in jail. Hmm. We're gonna keep. Who the fuck is he? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Your ass is going to jail, bro. Too bad it went viral. You know what I'm saying? That's the one thing that race soldier cops never got. They never really, it never dawned on them. You know what I mean? Like, damn, now motherfuckers are going viral. And these guys, right, they said the two of these cops that killed Mr. Nichols is one of, two of them bailed out for like two fifty dollars a piece. Oh, yeah, they got money. They probably had a house. If you got a, if you got a half million, and if you living out there, where was it? Man, I don't know. Memphis is different, but you got a half million dollar home, you could just put that up. And I'm assuming at you this know? point, the Scorpion team, I'm going to be honest, this is what, and see, that's why you said, what were they instructed to do? I think they told them, look, you need to help keep these Negroes in line, get all these pipes off the street, make a bunch of arrests. Yeah, you got a couple dope dealers, you shake them niggas down, you keep the money. I really think they told them niggas that. I really believe that they, they, they called them the Scorpion Squad. Scorpion unit, Scorpion, Scorpion squad, unit. yeah. They ain't we that found the five nothing. biggest coons. Because usually when they make a like a task force, which is what it was, when they make a task force, they find the best from every area. So those were, in my opinion, those were the five best coons for them. Yeah, the five highest rated, highest rated coons. So we're gonna get these coons. But here's the thing is, what were they told? Were you told this in writing? Because that's going to have to be your defense. Right. Especially if it was told. They, they told us to do that. The uh, Memphis police force is telling us to, you know, attack. They forced us to do this. I mean, you know, that's the only thing I could think of. Maybe not they forced them to do that incident, but forced us to be hard towards our own people or they wouldn't want us. Yeah. That's, that's something that has to be taken into account. That's the only that's the only defense that they can try to have. There's no other defense. I mean, what else could they say? You you caught on tape and you were holding this man, you were beating him up, you didn't administer, and I think they told those paramedics, don't help this nigga. I really do. Oh, yeah. Because the paramedics are on leave now. They're gonna get fired. There's kidnapping. Yeah, the paramedics, charges. so the paramedics I didn't see the tape, so the paramedics wouldn't help. The paramedics I, I didn't see everything, but if the paramedics have been put on leave, they must have didn't administer it when they were supposed to. And I think the cops probably told him, they probably knew him like, man, don't help this nigga out. We fucked them up. Cause we got to think they were talking shit afterwards. 
after the beating. Really? Yeah, I, and he wasn't. He he didn't die then. He was just you know like if you got five dudes whooping on your ass for a long time and shit, and they you got you in cuffs. So he was kind of slumped over on the car. They didn't uncuff him. He didn't even have to be. I mean, then they just you know. So it was it was like the Rodney King case times ten. You see what I'm saying? And then they sat there talking shit, laughing. You know, oh yeah, we whooped this nigga's ass on some shit like that. Wow. So that's this, not this gonna that, that's not gonna go over well. They mentioned nah. they mentioned other cops, and when they say there's other cops being investigated, yeah, everybody's because they got you got to think it's different. It's different down here, and I want to talk about that case over north in a minute. But it's different in Minnesota. I've been to Memphis. Me and my brother went down there one time. Memphis. Memphis is like a little Chicago almost. It's pretty fast paced. It ain't no slow poke ass city. It's a lot going on. What do you mean? So like the downtowns, they moving quick? Well, okay. If you ever go down to Memphis, if you ever decide to go to Memphis for whatever reason it is, great barbecue, great music. Memphis. I'm trying to think how I can explain it. It looks like St. Paul. It looks so it's exa- got that old look. Yeah, it looks exactly like St. Paul. They drive fast ass cars, big ass trucks. Um, it's just super hood. You know, you might have a sister pull up to you. She might have some gold teeth and a charger or some shit. She might have a little AR, a couple pipes in her pipes in her car. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like Project Pat said, it's, it's werewolves, man. It's it's just you know, I mean, she could go down. You know, when we got to the airport, this sister was telling me and my brother, like, hey, man, this is the areas y'all should go. This is the areas y'all shouldn't go. If you downtown, get up out of there by a certain time. Like, you know, it just goes down. When you watch the news, it be all kind of shit. When you watch the news, it be shit going on all the time. It's just that, yeah. kind, of a, it's just that kind of a town. It's a fun city. It's just that, I mean, they, they turn up down there. That's another place they'll kill you quick down there. They'll kill you real quick down there. You know? They'll um, kill you dead, huh? Yeah, they'll kill you dead. They'll kill you dead. They ain't gonna hesitate either. But, you know, um, generally it's a lot of hospitality. Uh, but, you know, I mean, look what happened to Young Dolph. You know, if you're an artist... And you're a rapper or whatever the case may be down there, and you're doing well. I mean, it's small. You see what I'm saying? It, it, it's 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 a dog eat dog. It's a cutthroat city. It's a dog eat dog city. You know, you you ain't any kind of place you just want to be just just kind of sitting around, and you got a lot of nice shit going on. You know, down there it ain't like up here where you can just kind of sit around and be a lazy ass nigga, and they gon' they gonna make sure you straight and all that. No, 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 no. Ain't none of that. Ain't none of that. If you broke and you homeless, nigga, you homeless. Ain't nobody letting you. They're not going out of their way to make you feel comfortable if you're homeless. Up here, they want to give you tickets and vouchers to go to the damn Minnesota State Fair and all that. We, me, me and my brother went to the Martin Luther King Center. We came out. Some niggas told me he just got out of jail. He was just asking us for a couple dollars, or if y'all got anything. He, he didn't. He, you know, up here. If you tell a nigga, well, I'll give you a quarter, he'll look at you like you crazy. They're entitled. I gave the nigga a dub. The nigga start crying right in front of us. 
he had real tears in his eyes. He's like, man, I just got, I, I'm fresh out, man. I ain't know what I was going to do. I ain't know what I was going to eat. And, you know, I'm looking at the nigga. He, you could tell he, he had been in there for, he was a big ass nigga. You know what I'm saying? He was cool. He wasn't aggressive or nothing like that. It's just that he, he really appreciated that shit. You give a nigga $5 up here, he look at you like you crazy. If you give, if you ever yeah. gave a nigga a quarter and then he just look at you and be, man, oh, brothers ain't right. And they give you a sob story about why can't you give them more? Yeah, down there it ain't like that. When you broke, you broke. You was broke. Yeah, you just broke. There ain't no. Yeah, no, I feel what you're saying. There ain't nothing. Ain't no hand. Everybody hustling. It's hustlers. That's the pimp city, a hustler gangster city. It's everyone's hustling. People selling t-shirts, or they selling fucking pies, or they selling cookies, like the place where Dolph was going to. Niggas are selling cookies, cookie shops. Um, a lot of black business owners. I had a long conversation when I went down to the rendezvous barbecue spot. I was talking to some brothers outside the parking lot when we left and we were just kind of you know we just told them they were like hey y'all ain't from around here I said, yeah we from minnesota he said oh y'all sound different I was like yeah so we were talking about how like i was asking them about the you know what is what is it like for a lot of black people here because i told them about an article and there was an article, and I've always talked about this article, that the worst places for black folks financially with the wage get the white black wealth gap is, well, at one point it was here, it was Milwaukee and Memphis, and I think another place, but those are the main ones that always kept coming up for the past decade. And he said, he said, I didn't know that Minnesota was on the top. Cause he, cause when we told him we was from Minnesota, he was like, is there black people there? He said, I know it's the Timberwolves and there's Prince and shit, but I said, yeah, it's niggas up there and motherfuckers, you know, doing the same shit. And he couldn't believe it. Like, you know, I said, yeah, it is black people up here. He said, he said but most people wouldn't really think that because, you know, I mean, it's it's mostly white. If you look at the population, if you go on Wikipedia or the census, I mean, it is mostly white, but it's a lot of black people concentrated, you know, in the area. I said, it's mostly immigrants. America's mostly white. It's, yeah, it is mostly white. But when you go to a place like this versus Memphis, you go to Memphis, you see black people oh, at the yeah. airport. You see black people at the bank. You you see black folks everywhere. You see black people having shit. Yeah, oh yeah, it's not yeah Minnesota. Yeah. You don't see shit like you that. You don't see shit like that. Like when when I went down to Memphis and I was talking to him about uh, about this, we had this conversation outside the parking lot. The brother was saying this town. Yeah, he said a lot of the white folks running shit. He said, but you have business owners down here. Niggas ain't sitting around waiting on to get hired like that. They'll work, they'll do hospitality, but you have entrepreneurial minds down there. You'll have a sister that might own a hair shop. You'll have a brother that'll own, like the one brother that was working, he was working at the, uh, he was like a, uh, what do they call those people that be at the the, um, the tellers? Or the, or the people they they they, they, they are parking lot they take your ticket. Um, usher, not an usher. I, well, he wasn't an usher, but he was something. Else. He was like he stand he the ticket the ticket taker. Like he you pay him to take his ticket. The ticket uh, parking valet or the valet not the valet, but you know he's sitting there. Yeah, like he there. just stand at the booth. You take people's money, then you open up the gate for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. So he's doing that. He says I have a cleaning company. So he does that. And then he got a van and he goes and he cleans your house, carpet cleaning and shit like that. So he says, Memphis is a town of hustlers. Here's something a lot of folks got to understand from a historical standpoint in Memphis. Memphis is really the founder of Crunk. 
They don't never want to give Memphis credit for that. But if you listen to the Atlanta sound, if you listen to the Chicago drill sound, 3-6 Mafia, 8-Ball and MJG, play a fly, all of that, the Memphis sound is the Atlanta sound. A lot of people don't know that. But they never mm-hmm. gave Memphis the credit they deserve. The, 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 the crunk sound, the turn up crunk sound, that comes from 3-6 Mafia. Even the St. Louis sound. DJ Squeaky, that comes from Memphis. What about the uh, St. Lunatic sound? Um, Don't nobody St. Louis sound like that. Yeah, that 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 St. Louis, the country grammar, Nelly and all them, they had their own specific style. Yeah, that was kind of like, you know, they had their own style. They they had their own kind of their own tweak style. They they didn't they didn't really. I'm I'm pretty sure they well, of course they're gonna be inspired by three six eight ball MJG ghetto boys UGK of course, but they had their own style. Their own beats and stuff, country grammar and I remember when that song, country grammar and Air Force Ones and you know they they had their own, they had their own unique style. So I don't think it got caught on to the point where like, for example, when you think if you listen to any of the Atlanta music, all of that, um. All of that, uh, uh, all, all of that, all of that music comes from Memphis. It's Memphis based because who, who else was, who else was doing crunk music? I'm saying before little John came out, who had that kind of, uh, upbeat music. New Orleans has their own style too. Now that's more like bounce. So it has like a bounce to it. It's kind of like kind of a bounce party kind of kind of music. Um, Beats by the Pound, Manny Fresh. You know, they, they, they now that's another place I've been to. Um, New Orleans, very down home, very dangerous. That's another place they'll do they'll do you quick down there, real quick. Oh yeah, very they, quick. Yeah, they'll they'll knock you down real quick, but it's cool. You know, it's a big tourist town. You're really literally in a swamp. They have their own style and music. They have, it, put it like this, bro. When you go down there, it feels like you're on a different planet. It doesn't even feel like you're in, there, you're in the United States anymore. It felt like, to me, I haven't been to the motherland, but it felt like I was just back home. I didn't even feel like I was in the U.S. anymore. It felt you felt like, at home. I felt at home. It felt like I went... It, it, it felt like I was in my original habitat. You see what I'm saying? It felt like I was, it, it felt like I lived there before almost because it was so kind of down home. It was a certain kind of hospitality, but uh, you got to think a lot of, a lot of black folk. I mean, major, nine, 90, 98% of the black folks down there are foundational. They're descended to the slave, but you can see they down there. They really keep their African roots. They call they, out coons too. They, they've never they they most of the folks probably never been to the motherland, but they keep everything. And the same thing for South Carolina, the Gullah Geechee people. They they really there ain't no mistake. Oh well, I'm not black or nothing. No, they let you know down there in Louisiana. 
let me tell you something. When you go down to Louisiana and you see the billboards, the billboards got little kids saying he doesn't belong in Angola. It blew my mind. I couldn't believe that shit. I said, what is it? So what they're saying is shit, man. It's a high chance if you're a black person of you going to the penitentiary down there. That's the way it's set up. They're still recovering yeah. from Katrina and stuff. So I mean that that was one of the real I worked with people. Yeah. I worked with people that were um affected by Hurricane Katrina and had to move to uh they were I, they must have worked for Walmart in in somewhere in the Katrina area because or in the Louisiana area because they transferred to the Walmart I was working at in Aurora, Colorado. Yeah, they, I knew about four people. They play for keeps down there, man. That that's and that's another place. You know, like this little little slick shit and this little bullshit the niggas get away with up here. Oh, they be dead and they be dead in the week down there. Little the little funny time. You know what I'm talking about? The little funny time slick shit the niggas do up here and get away and be ducking and hiding. They, they wouldn't last a week down there. It's just yeah, that, that halfway thug shit. It ain't gonna work. They would have knocked their head off and wouldn't, like you said, and wouldn't even know nobody know about it. They used to have yeah, a law. Nobody know about they it. used to have a law down there where if something <laughs> happened to a nigga, I don't know if they still have it, but they used to have a law at one point. They used to have something down there where shit. If don't nobody come and, and, and <laughs> if don't nobody come and tell what what happened with the crime, case closed. You could be an unsolved mystery. <laughs> right? Yeah. You could. Yeah. Ain't they, nobody they, gonna talk. Yeah. The police is like, well, unless we, your mama. Unless your mom or dad seen the motherfucker that shoot you, ain't nobody talking. Nah, ain't nobody saying shit. Even your friends ain't gonna talk. They'll just clap back. Nah, yeah, they're they're not doing. And it's and what I mean by place for keeps. They have the part. They have a they have a real live plantation down in Angola. That place is a fucking plantation, bro. That is a live. You when you go there, you probably ain't never coming back ever. Like it ain't like up here. You know, people be touching little kids and, oh, I'll shoot this nigga and I only get five, ten years. No, 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 no. Down there, you get time. Major, major, Yeah, and they put you time. on the chain game. You get a chain game. You you be sitting up there, be a white man with a shotgun on a horse. Like Django Unchained. Hurry up. Pick, pick, uh, uh, chop that wood. All day in the heat. And it's hot, bro. It, it, it's hot and it's muggy. Oh, real heat. So, so you got here. You got this white man sitting here, and then you got your little, you got you, you got your little uh, chain gang on. Or you on a chain game, man? Out in the heat, working all fucking day. You a fucking slave. Louisiana is the epitome of slavery, and that's another thing that a lot of black folks don't understand. When they say, "Well, we had rights, 1960s," and I, no, I said, "No, man. You still. A lot of people don't understand. They still had." black folks on the chain gang in the 1960s in Louisiana not from prison there was black folks that were on plantations since the 1960s in the state of Louisiana a lot of people don't know this a lot of people don't want to do the research they don't want to do the research and so <laughs> you know like but yeah like they probably told them dudes from the scorpion squad man look we got a bunch of werewolves running around. Do whatever you got to do to decrease the crime. And they probably just pulled over every nigga they see. Oh, you got a pipe? Get out the car. Well, you got you some weed? Okay, arrest that nigga. They probably planted some niggas with some shit from time to time. They lowered the crime. Oh, okay. 
800 pipes. That's a lot of guns. 800 pipes. They probably pull a nigga over. Oh, you got a pipe? You get that. Oh, you got some money? Yeah, let me get that. that out here. Yeah, they probably did, bro. They probably did. They didn't even run that. And see, they're so grimy. I, I bet you they're so corrupt, bro. Because if they did this, you know what they was doing. They'll pull a nigga over. How much money you got? Oh, I got a thousand. Let me get that. Oh, that's Baltimore for sure. Let me get that money. I'm, next time I catch you, I, I'm taking you to jail. So every time, every time that nigga sees you and you hustling, he just gonna run your pockets. Yeah, he knows, and he knows if you out there, you hustling, and guess what? What you gonna do? Tell the law he stole my drug money. Just gotta charge it to the game. So they extort drug dealers. There was a case a long time ago. Oh yeah. A gang unit in Minneapolis. I don't remember what if you heard about this before, but they was breaking in people's homes, stealing their TVs, stealing their rims, taking their money, doing all kinds. Of, it was a gang unit. I know you heard about this. Let me pull it up. Let me see if I can find it. Minneapolis gang unit disbanded. Yeah, right here. NPR News. Gang strike force victims reach a third a three million dollar settlement. The agencies behind the disbanded Metro Gang Strike Force paid three million dollars to people who claimed they were victims of the unit's misconduct. One of the plaintiffs is painter. Dagoberto Rodriguez Cardona. A couple years ago, Rodriguez, his wife, and a couple of his co-workers went to retrieve his car from the Minneapolis impound lot. But getting his car towed turned out to be the least of his problems. While Rodriguez was at the impound lot waiting to retrieve his car, members of the Metro Gang Strike Force showed up. They searched him and found $4,500 in cash. And they said, why do you have all this money? Rodriguez recalled, it's from work. We are coming from work, he said he told the officers. I have my machine, my painting machine, and my gallons of paint. They only laughed and said, that's money, and they taunted us. And they called their bosses, so their bosses took my money. The officers never found any drugs and did not arrest Rodriguez, he said, and they never gave the money back. Rodriguez attorney, Randy Hopper, says that's a prime example of what went wrong with the Metro Strike Force. He filed a federal class action lawsuit last year against a dozen police agencies that sent more than 30 officers to work with the unit. Based in New Brighton. So they had to pay $3 million. They said the strike force officers taken property, TV, sporting equipment. They found officers had been snooping improperly through police files and may have been shaking down illegal immigrants, thinking the victims wouldn't report police conduct for fear of deportation. You talked to me, to me about this a couple years ago, that they was doing shit like this. Yeah. Hold that over your head, man. Oh, you, you going to get deported. You going to get deported, so let me get that. Uh, you going to act right. Not only that, I mean... They, those cops that you talking about, they were nicer to even ask them, where'd you get this money from? Most police, if they see that, they taking that shit. They, they don't even say nothing to you. It's happened to me so many times in my life. It's just, you know what I mean? Drugs, drug money, this has been taken for happened once in the fucking parking lot of South High School. What's the most amount of money they took from you? Oh, Six grand. Oh fuck. Damn. Yeah, but it was with drugs. Fuck. They didn't turn that in. And they ask you shit. And I wasn't working there. I was just hustling. 
So they ask you shit, you know, to kind of lead up to it. Oh, where do you work at? Oh, you ain't got no job. So they already know. You got drugs on you and you got all this cash. Who the fuck walks around with $6,000 in cash? You know what I mean? No civilized motherfucker walking around like that. Now, now is so it, they see that. Is it actually illegal to do so? Uh, no, it's not illegal. Under 10000 it's not. But what well, what happen is is if they know it's drug money you know what I'm talking about because at the end of the day you will have to you will have to vouch for where you got it from right mm-hmm. so okay so if it is drug money and I'm smart enough as a police to know it's drug money and you know it's drug money you ain't going to the police and you know what I mean so and I'm- saying that and it you're not gonna go to the law and say he took my six grand. I wasn't gonna do that. I didn't even think about doing that. So, so I was just happy because what also happened is the dope he found on I me. Mean, he didn't bust me for that either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but even if he did, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, and I also had six grand in cash on I me. Mean, he took that too. You ain't gonna. You ain't. You know what I mean? You just thinking at that point it's just gonna be worse for you. So he gets so so he gets took the money and gets told you to go on somewhere. Yeah, just release the cuffs and just you're you're done. Go. Damn, that's a, that was actually, a nice piece of change for him, man. A nice piece of change. Actually, he it actually I had weed and another substance, and what he did was he took everything, but he left the uh it was a black cop too. <laughs> to be honest with you, yeah, it was in downtown Denver, Colorado. It was a black cop too. He took all the weed and then all the other stuff, which I don't want to say. He took all of that and then he wrote me a ticket for having a small amount of weed by a school. Because in Colorado, they can't fuck with you about no weed, but if you have it by a school, they can't within a certain amount of distance of a school, which is an odd law. So he got me for that. Didn't this cop, this fucking cool motherfucker, had the nerve to ask me how much the drugs he's taken from me is worth. (laughs) And I had rolled up joints and a a couple rolled up joints and blunts, and he let me keep them. The reason he let me keep them is he didn't want to smoke that. He probably didn't know if I laced it or something, you know what I mean? So he left that alone. He let me keep that. This motherfucker had the nerve to ask me after he wrote me the ticket for a small amount. He had to, and I knew he took my money. And I'm at this point, I know he got me. So he's like, how much is all this worth? I said, I don't know, man. At that point, I'm already knowing it's over, you know? So I just told him, I don't know, man. And he just went, and he wasn't even, he was in a scooter. What do they call them? Mopeds or some little things? I don't know, where you the, the shuttles or whatever, where you just kind of a hoverboard. Yeah, yeah. He was on one of them, but I was in a parked car, too. Man, this was on 420, 2013. Damn. About 10, damn, 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, downtown Denver, Colorado. We were in the car, rolling up joints and shit, going to an outside Rick Ross concert in downtown Denver. I hear this motherfucker pull up. Damn. 
Now what? Now what? Now Denver, what, what is the vibe in Denver? Denver had the nerve to ask me that shit too. What is all this worth? I, I don't know, man. At that point, I'm already knowing I ain't going to jail or nothing. You got me, so fuck you, you know. No, what, no, what, out of here, man. What, what? What is the vibe in Denver? What is? What is the? What is Denver like? The vibe in Denver? Yeah. What's the vibe? Well, I mean, I would say it's a lot like here, but one of the things you don't. It's a lot like here. It's two different vibes in Denver. You got your winter vibe and your summer vibe. Because Denver gets cold. Now, Minnesota cold, but it gets cold, and they have blizzards and shit. They got that kind of snow where you can't nothing. When them blizzards hit, you, you can't. I, I worked at the Walmart I worked at was about five blocks from my house. Four blocks from my house. Man, there was a blizzard one night so bad. I just told him, hey, man, just keep me clocked in because I can't go home. Mm. Yeah, it's that bad. But here's the crazy thing is it, it's it's a state. And the first thing the motherfucker greeter at the airport told me when I went there was welcome to Colorado, the home of bipolar weather. Mm. He's 100% right because it fucks with you too mentally. It takes you time to adjust to it because... You'll see snow on the ground, right? But then it's 60 degrees. That's crazy. Yeah, so it fucks with you. It's 60 degrees. It must have snowed last night. So it, it, but it, so like their winters will get in the 60s, even the early 70s. Another thing I noticed about Colorado is, uh, it's, it's expensive. So you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta have a roommate or be in a relationship. Oh, out there, you ain't gonna be doing that living by yourself bullshit, man. That place is pricey. Jobs are easy to find, very easy to find. Uh, the state abuses, but in my opinion, the state abuses the marijuana users. Hmm. And what? And they just they just take advantage of them. And the reason I say that is because. You know, the thing about marijuana is, okay, there's dispensaries on every street corner, everywhere. You walk out of your house and you're selling weed. You know what I'm talking about? The whole state, especially when you're in the Denver or Aurora area, you're smelling weed all over. But you can't smoke nowhere. If you live in an apartment, all apartments are smoke-free. If you uh, rent a house, majority of them are smoke-free. Why the houses so damn expensive, man? I'm seeing three bedrooms, three bedrooms, one in Colorado. Yeah, what the fuck, man? I mean, because of the cost of living, yeah, cost of living is high. It's a very, you know, I mean, jobs are easy. Jobs pay, you know, pretty damn good out there. The thing is, yeah, it's a very pricey state, man. There's a lot of people want to move there. You got legal marijuana. That's a very, you know, as soon as that, as soon as that, you know, there was a time where Vegas was a very, very, very affordable state to live in. If you wasn't Vegas, I would recommend anybody at one time to move to Vegas if you ain't on no lame shit. I would have told told anyone to move there if you knew how to control yourself. If you wasn't into that nightlife scene and that scene didn't mean nothing to you, I would recommend, I would have recommended Vegas to anyone at one point, but now they got legal marijuana. Now, they got Cause see one thing Vegas never had DPs. Vegas never had any sports teams. A lot of bars because in the windows. where? 
I'm looking at houses on Zillow, and I'm like, a lot of these houses, a lot of these. Houses Where? What? What state? Denver. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is with Denver is, man, you ain't gonna see no five thousand dollars special, ten thousand dollars fixing no, up or ain't none of that. They got a fixer. I mean, this look like some shit that you see. That same That's one, probably about fifty grand, isn't it? Sixty grand. Two seventy five. Yeah, that's a six mil. Yeah, bro, Denver they, ain't no place. They got holes. Denver's not a place walls, to. Bro. They got holes. Denver is not a. It's not a place where you want to start up. The ceiling is falling apart, bro. For two. Oh yeah, and that's two hundred grand. And that's cheap. For one. Yeah, that's cheap. Very Man. cheap. You know, that's a very, very, very cheap. I mean, it's. It's, a, it's it's not a place to be, you know, buying property, that kind of, that's a different kind of element. Here's you would have one, to, this not cash, this you'd one, have to go through your credit. Like, this one is a one-bedroom, one-bath for 365, 500 square feet. It's like, it's nothing. Literally nothing. This, this is a bullshit. That same, listen, that same house in East St. Louis, it don't, it don't look too much different. Literally. Yeah, but you know, where is that house you're looking at located in Colorado? That one's in. It's in Denver, but I don't, I'm not sure where. It's in Raleigh. Okay, it's in Denver. It's a one bedroom. One bedroom, one bath. Okay, you're gonna get at least a thousand dollars a month for that. Okay. Okay. So then you could take a three bedroom house or a two bedroom, three bedroom house in in. Uh, Flint, Michigan, or whatever, you'll probably get six hundred. You feel what I'm saying? So you're gonna make your money back probably quicker dealing with the dealing with the you know dealing with the house out there in Colorado. You probably you know you'd have, but that kind of stuff you dealing with your credit, so they coming out of your pocket. So if you wanted to buy a fix me upper in Colorado, you would get the bank to finance it for you. So that would be, you know, a different game. You know, you ain't really playing with your money. Yeah, you gotta. But have if you dealing with, yeah, but if you dealing with, if you dealing with cash like I was, you know, you it's it's a gamble. It's this is like this. All I would tell anyone is get to the point where you got that house ready to be rented to. Once you get it to that point, man, I can rent it for you. Cause you got to know where to go. Section 8 scares people because of the clientele. But if what about if you don't care about the clientele? You just want your money. I'll tell a motherfucker, man, you know, between me and you, I, I told a motherfucker, man, I shouldn't even be saying this, but I told a motherfucker, hey, man, I don't care what you do. Just pay me on the first and, you know, don't fuck up nothing. He said, I got you. I said, I don't care what, what you got going on. You know what I'm talking about? I ain't worried about it. Don't don't concern me because I ain't going to be in trouble. So, good luck. You get raided, they kick in this door, I'm going to buy a new door. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It ain't, they ain't going to be calling me, asking me what I know about it, this and that. They know I'm in a whole other state and I'm renting it. So, like, I explained that to them very thoroughly. Hey, man, you pay me, you pay, and there's no issues, you're going to have a place to stay. I ain't going to pop up one day and tell you got to bounce because it is. I don't care. Yeah. Hey. Hey, whatever happens between you and the law, that's between you and the law. So if you want to get ignorant and they kick in your door, hey, I ain't going to defend you and I ain't going to go against you. I tell them people I was renting to them and I don't know nothing about it. 
you, you'll more than likely, you know what I'm saying, you'll have it. So what I did with East St. Louis is I would meagle around some of these bars. But see, even though I'm almost 40 years old, I still have that kind of youthful pretty boy look I used to have and my hair still intact and everything. So I was kind of, a, you know, a threat to certain people in these bars. And I wasn't going to, I wouldn't say like CD bars. And I wasn't in actual East St. Louis. I was a little bit off. Like I said, for the property I own, downtown St. Louis is about 10 minutes away. So I was kind of in that area mulling around bars. I wanted to find your smart hustlers. Your hustler that might not have the credentials to get a place, but he got the money. Right. I was looking for them kind of guys, pimps, you know, high high level drug dealers. So, hey man, I got this spot over here. You know, you pay me this and this and this. You rent it out. I don't care about your credit. I don't care about nothing. I'm the owner. If I want to rent to you, I can rent to anyone in the world. Right. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. It doesn't. I don't have to. Uh, I have homeowners insurance. I gotta pay that. They don't. Add, they don't. I don't have to go by a credit score. That's just my individual opinion. I don't care. Yeah, you got the money. I'm run to you. Boom. Let's go. I could charge you what I want. I could do whatever I want. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, so I just found them kind of people, and I found the right guy. He'd been renting for me for about 16 months. I had no problems with him because he was smart enough to know. Wait a minute, this guy's gonna rent to me. I ain't even got a job. This is going to really help my operation, whatever he's doing, you know? Boom. I just told him the truth, man. I care what you do. Just pay me. Whatever you do, you're going to tell on yourself if you're stupid. Then that's what. I'm going to find the next guy. Like I said, one thing you won't have to worry about is me fucking with you. So if you got that mentality, just fix that bitch up. You'll rent it out quick. And the way to make money with that is, so you bought it for about 8 to 10, put about 8 to 10 into it, that's 20. You know what I mean? Once you get to about halfway, you didn't halfway made your money, put that business back on the market. They'll come at motherfuckers with a rent to own. You know, so you got ideas, you know. And if you, and, and there was, for a time, I was going to move to Michigan. I wouldn't move to East St. Louis, they're cool, but. There was a time I was going to move to maybe not Flint, but a little bit Saginaw, maybe. Saginaw. Because Flint, yeah, Flint, you got to watch yourself, man. When you taking a shower, man, you almost got to have like a mask on to make sure none of that water get in your mouth. In your eyes and shit, you know, so it's a different beast, man. When you take a shower, you put the shower cap on. There's a way to do it, man. You put the shower cap on and then you shower your lower extremities and then you get some like aquafina water put it on a, a towel and then put some soap on a towel and then you wipe your face that way you don't want any of that water getting in your eyes or your mouth well, it can make you sick oh yeah fuck yeah and this is America where they giving out billions of dollars to Ukraine and all that and they can't even take care of Flint and this happened under President Obama's watch. Where was he at? You're talking about he tried to fight for reparations. Come on, man. You ain't even make sure Flint had a pipeline. I seen him drink. Try to, I, I thought he should be ashamed of himself. I seen him, make, you know, act like he was going to drink some Flint water. That nigga didn't have no Flint water in that damn <coughs> He was just mocking people. people That's his way of mocking people. Black folks should have been done with him right when he did that shit. I mean, we should have been done with him before. But when he did that shit. Well, you know what? You got to look into it. It took you to really open my eyes 
prior to that, I've really just been, I just seen, all right, first black president. I didn't really pay no mind to what he was doing because during his administration, shit, I was ripping and running too. You know, I was on the campaign trail too. You know what I'm talking about? I was all over America. So I wasn't really paying no mind to him. But you really hit me like, what did this nigga really do? I said, well, damn, he's right. I mean, the motherfucking nigga was in there eight fucking years and uh, foundations are still talking about the exact same thing. Actually, conditions are getting worse. Now, getting lynched on, you know, by police, even on a worse basis. Yeah, worse. So, you know, things actually got worse under Obama's administration for blacks. Now you got all these race soldiers running around with guns and, you know, it's a whole nother thing, you know? It's a whole nother animal. Like, they... One thing people aren't realizing, all the mass shootings that are going on, none of them are foundational. Never. No, never. Found, no, never, never. None of them. Even the little kid that got that uh, came to school, the six-year-old with the gun. Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and he shot the teacher. That, that was a white kid. And guess what they've been doing? I don't know if you noticed, but <coughs> the mainstream has been going around they've been showing a picture of a little black kid I don't know if you notice that's been going on but when you look yeah, at but the that news, ain't the shooter and that's not the shooter but that's the narrative they're trying to spin now everybody knows the kid ain't black but they keep showing this picture so now remember what I told you last year I said the, the, the murders are going to start getting younger they're going to start shooting black children. You're going to start hearing attacks on black children. So you're seeing attacks on black children from either race soldiers or you're seeing the media demonize black children. And as Dr. Francis Cress Welding always taught us, a black child is considered an adult at the age of eight by race soldiers. That's why... At the age of what? At the, at the tender age of eight. Mm-hmm. They consider you be, to be an adult. Now, they don't charge you as an adult, so as say, in the court of law. But we're not talking about the court of law as in an actual court. We're talking about the white supreme court of I'm white and I say so. Deputizing white citizens. Deputizing them from the news to the school board to the, the medical system. Hey, I'm white and I say what goes. You were telling me that you were going to tell me about a story. It was it was quite a few months back, but at least 90 days or more that it was a situation in which you said that something that that some somebody tried to put you into some forced coonery and you wasn't going. It, it, it was something you were telling me about. I don't remember what it was, but it was something at work or it was some situation with some white person where they were basically trying to Oh, well, I'm, 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 I'm going to try to put put him in a certain position to do something. And you was like, oh, hell no, I ain't doing that shit. I don't remember what it was you told me, bro. It was something. No, i tell you exactly what it was. It wasn't recently, though. Okay. okay. But it was a, it didn't happen recently. No, there was a, I was a shipping and receiving supervisor at Walmart in Aurora, Colorado in the back room. Okay. And there was this black girl. She was a lesbian or whatever. And her and her partner would push the, the... So they would throw the truck, which would mean everything on the back of the truck, they would 
put on the conveyor line for us to organize, right? So they're in an area that we can't see them. We see the stuff coming out, and we know they're the one putting it on the conveyor belt. We can't see them back there. But there is a camera. So one of the department heads from a whole other department, he was looking on the camera, and them two lesbian girls, they must have been freaking off or something back there. So he was like, you know what, Phil? This is what I want you to do. He was like, I want you to go back there because he, he, he called me into his office and he's telling me about it. He said, I want you to go back there. I want you to go catch him in the act. Then I want you to write them both up and send them home. Hmm. I'm thinking, wait a minute. You've been sitting here watching this. Why aren't you doing that? Right. You know what I'm saying? Why are you trying to get me to do it? You know what I mean? Okay, I'm the department head. If I were to see him do it, okay, that's one story. You're watching these girls on camera. You called me back there to tell me they're doing it and for me to go do it. And he ain't my superior or nothing. He's just in another department. I said, hey, man, if you got a problem with what them girls are doing, you can go do it. Right. I ain't getting involved in that. I'm cool, man. I didn't see it. You told me about it. That's <laughs> what fucked them up. So they brought me in. They brought me into some meditation and meeting and this and that. And this. So I told him the truth. I said, hey, i never seen the girls do it. He told me it. So he should be the one to act on it. Yeah, then nobody would want to hire you. If you want your stuff, you can hire me as a manager. I'll do a great job for you as far as it works. But if you want me telling on them, motherfucker, man, I ain't with all that. No, no. You know what I'm talking about? If somebody ain't working, just ignore them. You know what I'm talking about? Just work around them because, hey, man, they used to be like, Phil, man, you got 100 million trucks tonight. What y'all going to do? I said, hey, man, I work till 1 o'clock. I don't care if there's 50,000 trucks. My daddy don't own this fucking place. I'm leaving at 1. Right. Fuck you. Yeah, I'm out. What? Yeah, yeah, I'd say the same. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. They let jobs, you know, where I got. And then there was this one at that place that, that, um, i tell you how they used to do this one African brother. There was this African brother that used to work back there, and he was a real good worker. And he lived real close, too. So they would make it with him where if they brainwash him, if he didn't come in on his days off, if they called him on his day off and he wouldn't come in, it was almost like he called off. One day I was talking to him, I said, hey, man, I thought you had a day off. You know, he was really bragging. I'm going to do this on my day off. I'm going to take my daughter over here. They end up coming in. He's all frowning. I said, man, why are you here? If you're frowning, you know, it's your day off. He said, they they forced me to come. I said, they can't force you to come in on your day off. I said, no, they just know that you don't know the rules. So I took him to the human resources people. Man, I got them motherfucking white boys. Shit. Yeah, I said, they can't do you like that, man. And to be like that, though, guess what? There's a lot of people, DP, that have that knowledge when they go to work. But to go to work and not be a... And, and, and white people and in a, in, a, in a different culture, they call it um, not being a slave to the trade. But in our world, it's called not cooning and all that. You have to have leverage. When you walk into a job and you have leverage, you're treated differently. That doesn't mean you can walk around pissing on everything. That just means you don't, you, you're not going to do anything that's not related to the job. They can't force you out your way. Right. And right. as soon as they know that, they'll leave you alone. One of the main things you do, young people, is when you go to work and you start a new job, don't be telling people your 
personal shit. Don't tell people, oh, you got a new kid on the way, or you got no. two kids and a mortgage. Nope. Once motherfuckers start realizing that shit, they'll start fucking with you. No, they'll know he needs his job. Yeah, don't tell them nothing. I remember one time I bought a new car. One time I was working, uh, I was working at this managed service company, man, as a Sixers administrator. And this was kind of the turning point in my career when I started making some real money. You know, I was able to knock down like sixty plus and you know stuff like that, and really get to see like three, four thousand dollar bonuses and all of that. And that same thing that you said was used to ring in my ears. I didn't really tell nobody, but you know, I had a, I had. When I bought the car, I tried to park it. I wasn't really hiding it, but I was just being inconspicuous. And man, lo and behold, bro, I swear, when they found out I got a new car, one of the guys, one of the white guys, a small company too, he says, you got a new car? And he he said it just like, (laughs) he said it just like that, bro. He said, you got a new car? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's a car. Like, bro, he broke his neck. Because see, I, I, I parked it in a place where you had to literally break your neck, man. You had to go out of your fucking way. You know what I'm saying? To, to see it. You had to go to out of your way. Yeah. So you want to know, right? He, he made the same money you made. He really wanted to know. And I'm like, this dude was like a management. I got to know he made more money than me. And he do a lot more than me. He was this old little redneck dude. And he ran over to the window to, to, to look and see what kind of car I got. And I'm thinking like, man, Lord, I'm glad I didn't buy a Benz. <laughs> I'm like, shit. I said, I'm glad I didn't buy no Benz, bro. Because if I would have... If I would have went and bought me some shit that cost maybe 75, 80,000, 80, man, they probably would have had a heart attack. Because Well, if you're foundational and you're driving a nice car, they automatically want to think that you're involved in some kind of skullduggery. You got to be hustling. Or, yeah. And I'm an IT you know, person. Like, I'm making good doing, money, but, yeah. you know, in, in, in the white man's eyes, he's like, no, nigga, you. you no, you, you ain't making no be, money. You ain't making no money. You know what I'm saying? You yeah, ain't, making you ain't no supposed money. to have nothing better. And that white boy was looking at you like you ain't supposed to have no better shit than me. Right. right. That's the real problem. That's the real. Like, see, here in the building I live in, I'm the overnight. I don't really want to say security. It's more caretaker, you know. But I kick bums out and shit. So now they hired a new uh, property manager in the day. Oh, okay. I don't work for him. I work for the owner. I don't work for him. You know what I mean? So it don't. But he's cool with me. He's a black, older black guy, right? He's telling me he was like, man. Uh, so the, the the other the other maintenance he was hired as a maintenance guy, and then they seen how he interacted with people, and they said, hey, you want to be the manager of the building? He said, sure. But as a Mexican dude who hooked him up with a job here, that was his friend, right? There's another maintenance guy here who hooked him up with a job to be a maintenance guy. So then he got promoted to manager. Now the the Mexican dude don't want to speak to him no more. I said, hey, he did, he butt hurt. He said, I hooked this guy up with a job, and then they promoted him over me. But see, he's not he's he's not dumb. He's not smart enough to, a to have his anger towards the ownership and not you, and b he's not smart enough to look at himself and go, what am I doing that's not right? Right. You know, 
what, what swag do I got to change? And I told him this on top of that. And he was like, man, don't let nobody want to listen to me, this and that. I said, hey, first of all, when I first opened up the restoration company and I had employees, a couple of them was Mexican and white at first. And I realized the same thing. They didn't really wasn't too comfortable working with me. Even though if I'm paying them and shit, they didn't really like the ordering part. Telling right. them what to do. To the black man, it's just like, you know, you got to take yourself into a mind of a race soldier. This is what I was telling him. He might need the job and he's working and everything, but wait a minute. Now this black, there's a black man telling me what to do. How often is that in society, especially in Minnesota, you know? How often is a black man dull boss? He could send you home. He could fire you. That's a, that's a very uncomfortable feeling for white people that very few of them actually have to deal with in life. You might have a white shift leader or a black shift lead or something, but no, a black man is directly responsible for your income today and for the next couple of days. Yeah, or that can determine you know, whether you send your child to college. Oh man, that's like the view. That's the white. That's his kryptonite. It's kryptonite to him and Mexicans too. They don't, don't like, like that, that shit, shit either. They don't like no, that. No, they don't like it either. Like motherfuckers used to tell me, man, you hire some Mexicans, you'll be all right. I told her, hey, man, if Mexicans work good with other Mexicans or with white people. Every Mexican I'd ever hired, I had a bad experience with it to the point I don't even fuck with them no more. You know that, and you know, there was, and this is the older thing where. This was back in the 1930s where I think it was like some kind of Hispanic union. They didn't call it Hispanic back then, but they just called it Mexican. And basically, you know, whenever you hear, let me tell you something. Whenever you hear a Mexican person say, well, I'm not white and I'm not trying to be white. That's big capoeira, big capoeira martial arts. A lot of them will say that. But when they say, when they say that, you got to think a lot of times they, when they say, oh, I'm Hispanic, I'm Spanish. They mean Hispanic white. They mean a. Hey, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm. I, when I'm saying Hispanish, I'm talking about Spain. You see what I'm saying? So. Europe. Europe. So th- that's how they look. Now you looking at them like, oh, this is a minority. This people of color. This is my brother here. You know, let me go ahead and break some bread with him. You know, spend some, spend some money with him. Whatever the case may be. Oh, he's 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 marginalized. Blah blah blah. But he ain't looking at you the same way most of the time as a group. Individualism, you might get one here and there, whatever, you know. But I'm talking about as a group. As a as a as a as a national and a global code of conduct as a group, as a cultural group. They're looking at you like, hey, you know, this Negro over here. And see, in the 1930s, they had like a Mexican Union or some shit like that. It was like in the 30s or something like that. Mid mid or earlier 1900s. And basically, they was on some. Hey, man, we trying to be white. We want, we want, we want the benefits that you white folks have. We want to be included in that. And they were asking them about, well, hey, you know, black folk foundationals over here, they just about thirty to forty years off the plantation. You know, they're having problems. You got to think when Tulsa and all that was burned, that wasn't that long ago, bro. On top of the fact, um, when foundational black Americans left the plantation um america you know i'm i'm gonna go in for a while it's gonna take a while to explain this but a lot of people don't understand that 
when black folks left the plantation, we were the cash crop. We built every segment of this society. There would be you know, no United States without the descendants of slaves. There would not be a United States whatsoever. We literally built everything in it. So they're like, well, damn. It wasn't like they just got freed. They don't never want to admit it, but like the Seminole Indian, the Seminole blacks and stuff down there in Florida and all. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a situation where they just gave us up. No, niggas was kicking ass and they never want to show that narrative. Black folks was fucking people up on them plantations. It wasn't just, we just let them off from the kindness of the heart. No oppressor gets let you off from the kindness of your heart. And so they were like, well, shit, these niggas is free. They were the cash crop. They did all this work. So if you if you notice, they were letting millions and millions of European immigrants over to the country. Because they're like, okay, well, what are we going to do with all these black folks? They're not going to work for free. We never intended them to be citizens. So they're like, all right, well, let's bring over all these, uh, these, these immigrants. So they brought over European immigrants primarily. They told the black folks, Nah, we don't want no black Haitians over here and we don't want no non-foundationals over here. Now you niggas here, we going to have to figure out something to do with you. But far as um, immigrant blacks, they wouldn't let them in. And foundational said, no, nah, wait a minute. You have to let over non-foundational blacks, our brethren from the motherland, but niggas fought for that shit. Woodrow Wilson, he was a president. He was one of the main people that was trying to keep immigrant blacks out in the 1930s. And black folks was like, no, we need reinforcements. You're not going to keep our brothers out of here. So they went and fought against that shit. And they, they also let the Italians in too. So a lot of the Italians were coming in here. A lot of people don't know that the Italians were coming. They didn't want the Italians over there. They weren't white enough. Not, not just yet. Eventually they did, but they let a bunch of, they let 11 million, uh, 11 million or so Europeans over here. To be the overseer class. Okay. You need, okay. You're Irish. All right. Yeah. You the white nigga, but we'll let you over here and we want you to oversee the niggas. So we'll give you all the jobs that the black folks had because you got to think we already built a country. So we had superior worksmen, craftsmen, artisan skills over everybody else. Nobody could fuck with us when it comes to carpentry building. So black folks said, all right, look, they don't want to fuck with us. Segregation. Cool. We're going to build Tulsa. We're going to build Nicodemus, Kansas. We're going to build all of these different all of these different towns across America. It wasn't just Tulsa. It wasn't just Rosewood. So the race soldiers are like, damn, man. These niggas is independent. Just like you, how you said about the white guy. Wait a minute. That nigga right there got some, got some leverage. So that's when they started bombing and making up all this, this black brute rape the white woman, whatever little lie they could come up with just to burn the towns down and, and, and to fuck up niggas money. So they did that. So they, it's not that black folks were bothering them, but, and another thing with Tulsa, a lot of people don't realize Tulsa wasn't only the, one of the richest, um, one of the richest black towns in the union. Tulsa, Oklahoma was one of the richest cities in America. Like yeah. I said, we had superior skills when it comes to business and building and creating stuff. So we knew how to build roads. We knew how to build railroads. There's nothing we couldn't build. If you put it like this, if you would have kicked all of white society out of the country at that time, we could have ran this motherfucker. 
You see what I'm saying? We wouldn't. We were already slaves at 30 years ago, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So, you know, we we had to kind of just figure everything out and just do it on our own. And they were like, "Well, damn, these Negroes don't need us." Oh no, that ain't gonna work. The race soldier was sitting back thinking, like, well, "Wait a minute, if they start keep doing shit at this route, they gonna be ahead of us. We can't have that happen." So, like that guy that was telling you, um, oh, getting back to that to to, to, to the guy, uh, the, the, the guy that uh, the Mexican Union, they said, "Hey, don't you want to bond with your brethren? Don't you want to work with the blacks? Y'all are in the same predicament." He said, "Oh, no, 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 no." We ain't nothing like them Negroes. That's the nigga problem. I don't want to ally with the black man. That's their problem. Let them fight their own battle. Yeah, that's it. And you know what? That's what the white people prey on. You know? You know what I'm saying? That's what they prey on. But the thing is, whenever, if you ever hear something on the news, anytime you hear something on the news, um, When it comes to black folks getting some tangible, some laws, reparations, or whatever, it's all these other minority groups that want a piece of it. They want to latch on to whatever we got going on because they know that once we start getting something going on, um, they, they know it's going to be successful. So you got to hire coons to undermine it. I apply for this job, right? Now, I want to tell you something. I applied for some job in Minneapolis, some some company, I don't know, but I just applied. And outside of the work, now, even this right here that I'm getting ready to read you, this was a result from the 1965 for the night from the 1960 Civil Rights Act that was really supposed to be for for foundational, but they took it and and and, and look what now. They ask, they ask, now listen to this, 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 this sounds as batty and psychotic as it possibly can. They said, what gender do you identify as? Oh yeah. All right. Now they, they went above, they went beyond. They said male, female, non-binary. Now that doesn't make no damn sense, but let me, let me read the rest that they asked. Non-binary, a gender. By gender, gender queer, gender fluid, which means, oh, I'm a fucking albatross tomorrow. I'm a Tasmanian devil Thursday, and I'm a Portuguese man of war jellyfish on Friday. Gender, a uh, third gender, transgender, trans feminine, trans masculine, two spirit. That sounds like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I prefer not to disclose. Now, what the fuck does that have to do with your skill set? The point I'm making is this right here is a prime example of the benefits. Like when you bring it back to Obama, he's one of the men, he's just a bought and paid for a Negro. He ain't really got no power. He was, they, he was hired to the establishment to do what he did. But that, that whole thing is when black folks should have been raised in hell saying, wait a minute, you got all of these minority groups, these gender groups, these little fake ass, little make-believe nursery rhymes, three Goldilocks and the three bear stories. They're benefiting directly off that 1960s bill. 
You see what I'm saying? Yeah, directly now, from it. Now here's another thing I want to say, going back to that cop thing. Now, we've been noticing it was Potter, it was Chauvin, I think it was some white dude in Carolina. It's it's been race soldiers been taking L's back to back when it comes to convictions. What they haven't been getting the time that we would like, but they have been getting convicted. All right. Now that didn't happen through no vote. That didn't happen through um that that happened primarily from boots on the ground and black folks speaking truth to power, right? So another thing that I think with this, when they convict these cops, they're not going to they're not gonna consider that a conviction like a white man. And what I mean by that is is you know how race soldiers are taking L's. White people are pretty much rid their hands. They don't get a coon retirement plan for this. They're not on the force anymore. They're not they're like Chauvin. You remember when Chauvin, he was in jail, but people were walking, watching his house. How many cops were sitting around his house 24 hours a day with riot gear on? How many? You remember seeing that? Oh, yeah. No, but he was protected. Yeah. He was protected, but he might have, you know, he he might have paid for that too. Thirty people, bro. Do you know how much it costs? Oh uh, no, them are thirty race soldier friends of his. Right there, you go. So that's what I'm saying. Remember his friends, you know. Yeah. Remember his people that volunteered. Now nah, we're gonna make sure don't nobody fuck with you and your kids. We gonna make sure of that now. See these because you know you gotta remember, Tao, That was his brother-in-law. Yeah. Yep. So they was all locked in with the police force and race soldiers, you know, they have one common bond. They hate niggas. And the difference between these five cops right here and any additional that'll be any additional ones will be receiving charges is ain't nobody gonna be in they in Memphis, bro. Ain't nobody gonna be in front of their house. Now here's the thing. And black folks, I'm 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 not sure if these brothers is foundationals. I think a couple of them might be, might not be. I'm not sure. But black folks, we know as a people that they could, folks could probably find out where they live, okay? But at the same time, with us being black folk, we, you know, black folks probably ain't really going to pull up, pull up at their house and threaten them and do all that kind of shit. Now, somebody might catch their ass somewhere. I don't know where they're going to hide or protect the cousin. Oh, I don't know well, you never go. know, Derek. Because what would have happened at Chauvin's house if there was no, if 30 people weren't there? I mean, somebody probably would have did something. But what I'm saying oh, is... Oh, come on, man. Yeah, somebody would have did DP. something. If there was no guard there outside of Chauvin's house, that at the time that all that stuff happened, man, they didn't let that man's house on fire. Nobody didn't do anything to Potter's house. I mean, they put a fence over it, but I mean, somebody could have really did something if they wanted to. No, Kim had police presence over there too. Oh yeah, she did. She did. She did. She did. Of course she did. Kim had police presence because Kim's husband was a police too. He was. Yeah. I didn't know that. Kim had Kim had presence, you know. And the uh, thing is, had, had Derek Chauvin's house not had no guards or nothing there, Derek Chauvin went to hide a house. They'd have burnt the motherfucker. <laughs> Derek Chauvin was the most hated man in America, maybe the world, for before these brothers. These brothers might have took his place. Well, you know, you know what, you know what, you know. You, you, here's another thing too, man. 
And I'll get into that too. But Tamir Rice, that little brother was 12 years old. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? He didn't do nothing at all. Now, give or take, they said things about Mr. Floyd. You know, the lynching, like I said, I ain't never going to justify it. But you might have some people to be like, man, this nigga did some bogus shit in his time. And he was grown. But this, this Tamir Rice was a baby. He was, he, he, he didn't even, now what happened to Floyd, that was fucked up. Tamir Rice, he killed him instantly. I don't think people understand the ramification of this. This is a 12 year old boy. That cop came out jumped out his car and whacked him. He didn't ask no questions. He didn't have, you know, you know what I'm saying? He, he didn't, he didn't have, he didn't ask no questions. And the 911 dispatcher let the, let him know it's a toy gun. He, he didn't say drop it. Cause you know, Tamir would have dropped it. He, he would have dropped, hey man, drop, hey kid, drop that shit. He would have dropped that gun, bro. He wouldn't have pointed at that cop. He would have been scared. Oh, sorry, officer, I'm sorry. You see what I'm saying? Murder to execute. Yeah, we all know that. So, so what I'm saying is, me, I feel like the Tamir Rice situation was worse. And the way they beat this brother, I mean, they they choked Floyd. Choked, yeah, you know, he he did lynch Floyd. But but this this was one of the worst situations, bro, because they beat him, and and and, and everybody was involved. It was all five of those cops that was sitting there. And it's worse. Yeah, they ain't than got no King. defense. It's worse than the Rodney King. Rodney King is alive, bro. Well, I, I think he still is. Or I'm not sure if he died, but he, I think he, he just passed now. But yeah, he was alive. Yeah, he was alive, man. They whooped his ass. That nigga got some money. This brother's dead. He's dead. No, he dead. They killed him to death. They killed him. Beat him to death. They beat him to death, man. This is worse than the Rodney King situation. There's no other way around that shit. They beat that man to death, and it looks like, man, they they didn't they had a hate for this man. Yeah, they had a disdain. So, so only a coon could have that kind of hate. And 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 you know, just like I said before, bro. At this point, at this point, I've disowned them. I, I don't care what they do to them. Oh yeah, they, they already disowned. They yeah. disowned by their race. Uh, yeah, they disowned. And they're disowned by their force. Yeah, they disowned, bro. Like if if put it like this, man, you could tell me tomorrow, oh, it was some clan men that burned their house long, long as they ain't mess with their kids and wives. And see, that's why, that's what I'm saying, bro. That not these these dudes back the blue. Where's Blue Lives Matter at? Where's back the blue? They're not going to the police. They don't union give a fuck gonna, about them. They don't care about that. The police union is not going to support what they did. Number one, they black. Number two, it was it was. One thing the police union doesn't want to do, the reckless race soldier. They don't, unless they're white, they don't want to, they don't want to protect the reckless race soldier. They want it to be a situation like a Zimmerman situation where we chased him down and we didn't see anything. Um, we don't have it on tape. Uh, they could have been fighting. You know, they want it to be very vague if possible because it's easy to say, well, hey, you know, he fell for his life. He pulled him. He out he shot him they, they they don't want these brazen camera things can't you just pull these niggas over somewhere where it's dark where don't nobody know anything they don't really want it to be a situation where they got to keep coming out of pocket 
they don't no, want they to don't. be on camera if they can avoid it so they want you to they want to try to get you in strategic ways if they can you see what i'm saying um so being that they don't have back the blue or blue lives matter citing muhammad Noor, we got we, we got to take that case in consideration no back to bags no blue lives matter now they're not going to have other cops sitting there they're not going to risk other cops sitting there trying to protect their house ain't nobody going to protect their house so no. but at the same time i don't think it's i think that people could easily find out where these niggas live I think they can easily oh, find out where they live. But Somebody I, knows where they live. But I don't think nobody black is gonna go fuck with them. You know why? A lot. I guarantee you, a lot of these brothers. When you when you find out these wild well, name brothers, these coons, these coons, they're gonna find out that they got families. A lot of them probably have families and children. So black folks might be like, well, nah, we don't want to burn the house down. We don't want to do anything to them like that because they got kids. And see, you know, that's a real shameful thing that you have for your legacy. That you would put your family in that predicament. Because can you imagine? Nothing will happen. You're you, right. Can you imagine? Yeah, ain't no, ain't nobody black gonna go fuck with them like that because they're gonna be like. You know why? Huh? Because the the race element is totally out of this. You know what I'm talking about? So the only people that would really go to their houses are the young man's people on a clap back but as far as like the 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 the, the anger that we've seen with floyd and all that kind of stuff is not in this situation but for why? the simple fact that the race element is not in play but, but, so well, that goes to show us that blm boots on the ground we're using police brutality as a way to get their foot in the door because it was never about police brutality it was always about the racial element. They just didn't want to say that because this is police brutality. You don't see BLM. BLM has said nothing. Boots on the ground, the chemo never said nothing. They ain't out here hooping and hollering. Why, Tucson why, and them, they ain't hooping and hollering. Why, why, why are they not? Why are they not being held accountable? Why? Well, who's gonna hold them accountable? Because. That's a whole nother argument, you know. Why, 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 ain't, why ain't black folks can? I, 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 I'm going live tonight to say that I put them in the serial hood hitter class. Why ain't niggas putting them in the serial hood hitter class? That's a serial hood hitter. Because, exactly what that is. Because because here's the thing, y'all black. Y'all are black, smoking your dead ops. See, these are these are the, I, I classify them as being the same type of Negroes as to smoking your dead ops. This is the same thing. Y'all the police. Y'all crooked. Y'all supposed to uphold the law. And and you beat a black man like a white man would have did it. Yeah. That's what a lot of people don't realize that shit, man. They just kind of living. They don't see it for what it, what it really, 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 really is. I, I, childish. I, I put them I put them in the serial hood hit a class tonight, bro. They're officially in the serial hood hit a class. Because Yeah, I I agree with you. Yeah. I I, I look at them like shitty cuz, bro. That's what they are. I I look at them because no different than shitty. Where cause. are they at? They're in another they're in another way they are. I mean, where's BLM? Like BLM Minnesota wing 
the other day they started up some they did some for a young man named Marcus Golden okay. who the police killed a few years ago now he just got his settlement money or his family got their settlement money mm. so they did a little party for him and I seen BLM Minnesota the last time I seen them was when the young lady and the incident with the Ethiopian kid over here in this neighborhood. I couldn't co-sign that either. You know, I took a hard line on that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do uh, niggas to shoot to, to shoot through walls and almost hit black children. I don't do that, bro. Yeah, of course not. But here's the yeah. thing: is BLM, they just they seen. All right, wait a minute. Police killed a black man. Okay, bag. We gotta go. We gotta jump. We gotta jump. Bag, bag, bag. You see, they're more desperate. The BLM Minnesota wing, I'll send you a picture of one of the heads of it, man. He old cornball looking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dude. So the thing is, they just they, they don't have as much leverage as Ben Crump. Because one thing Ben Crump has leverage. Yeah, he got leverage. After, you know, yeah, three forty settlements, you know, he's sitting on some money. So what Ben Crump would do is he's not gonna jump on nothing. He's gonna assess the situation. Okay, what happened here? Oh, he killed wait a minute. You know, wait a minute. He was shooting out the window. And he shot through the wall. Oh no, let's let's hold up on this one. This might not be a bag right here, <laughs> and it might hurt his credibility. Yeah, he got. No if he, you know, but see, BLM Minnesota, they hurry up, jumped on that. They got to doing a rally and this and that. And that girl, man, I was standing right there. So when she's doing that rant, am I kids black enough? I'm right on the left of her. So I hear the whole thing. That hurt because man, it what BLM they were right there, okay, right there by the holiday gas station and uh, in front of that building, it's a yellow building. So they were standing, they went from right there all the way down to Devonnie's. Devonnie's, what the hell's down there? Yeah, they hightailed the Riverside Park when the girl got to screaming, and then the uh, the camera crew was watching it. BLM looking at it like, wait a minute, we taking a loss right here. So what they go, this hurt the woods. They ran away. They ran. They did. They so they went. They were sitting there with their megaphones, and they went from after her going off on them. They turned around and went to Riverside Park. You know, I remember got, that thing. Got you the were hell out of there. I remember I didn't get to make it, and they did. The, they had a reparations hearing here in Minneapolis. A brunch. A brunch. They had a brunch, but then they had they had an actual reparations hearing in St. Paul in the court, and you know I didn't get to make it or whatnot, but. I remember, I think I played it on one of my shows a couple uh, a couple weeks ago where some lady was talking about an apology and I had to shut that. I said, nah, 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 we don't want no apology. Cut the check. It's like you do Ukraine, it's like you do Israel. Cut the check. I don't want to hear no damn apology. And so right. um, she said uh, there was one brother that was talking about it needs to be lineage based. And it does. It, it, you know, it, it don't, because it's not for, it's not for old racism or people of color and all this kind of shit. No, it, it, it's for the folks. My great, great, great grandmother, y'all owe her some fucking bread. And you need to pass that right down to me because she worked for free. And that's what he was basically saying. And um, there was a brunch that that was supposed to happen. And I said, wait a minute, who's. You were telling me, hey, you need to check that out. And I said, wait a minute, who's who's behind this brunch? And so I had to do a little investigation. They said, well, it was BLM Minnesota. I said, uh-oh, wait a minute. I said, 
I had a t- I texted a couple of my people and I said, "Listen, man." BLM Minnesota win. Is this is this corporate? Is this BLM corporate? Or is this like because I know there's separate branches and stuff like this? I said, but you know, BLM. No, it would be BLM Minnesota. They branch it off like there's there's the official BLM, and then they branch it off within the cities or the states. So you got a BLM Minnesota wing, BLM Colorado wing, but it's all under under the big umbrella. So the money goes to the top, and then those local workers get broke off. So okay. when you donate to BLM Minnesota, if you donate, and it's going to the top, it's not going to BLM Minnesota. So what were they gonna? It's going in. What were they gonna do? What were and they what, gonna? They do? were. When they, when that they, day with the girl? Yeah, but yeah, I'm saying when they, when when you said they they were coming over there to try to see if they could get something, what were they gonna get? What did they think they were gonna get? You talking about during the the rally for the kid? Yeah. Oh, what they were gonna get was a bag. So they were okay. To see. We're gonna first of all, they do when they do those rallies. When BLM does those rallies, there's also a donation. There's a guy running around taking donations. Yeah, that's something that they don't talk about. I've been at them, so I, I can tell you this firsthand experience. I'm on the website. This is, yeah, there's a yeah, you can donate on the website, but when you donate to BLM Minnesota, it do, it goes to the the main BLM, and then they get a portion of that. So that's how they make their money. So the ones. So if that, you donate a hundred to BLM, BLM Minnesota might get twenty five dollars of that. Okay, so so them women that. That, that that were investigated because you know the, the the whole main thing for example like when you look at Mike Brown them niggas got a lot of money behind Mike Brown and Trayvon's deaths and all the black males that got killed these little mm-hmm. lesbian, a lot of money these little lesbian chicks then got a lot of money man and here's the thing then white Democrats got even more much much more because I'm like okay where is all this money why is Ferguson, Missouri in the shape? I've been asking this question for two years now. Why is Ferguson, Missouri still in the shape that it's in? And these niggas then got all these donations. Where the hell did the money go? What did they do with it? Because I don't see no more black businesses more than what it is. George Floyd, he, he, he done got killed. Yeah, but the thing is, is when you donate the BLM, so when you like, it's like this. It would be like DP having the Bagland podcast, the main one, and then each state having another one that you open up. So you would say, all right, we got Bagland, Colorado, Bagland, Georgia, but it's all under your umbrella. You see what I'm saying? Mm. So those are syndicates, basically. BLM Minnesota is a syndicate. Okay. So they... That's how they hustle. So if they, if when they're doing their little rallies and they donate, say they get up to a thousand dollars. Let's just say, out of that thousand, them guys are gonna split two hundred and fifty of it. So, okay. so this is a performance. It's performance. So okay, performing. So, so you're telling me all I really would have to do. So okay, all right. Now you know about George Soros. So I can just be a nigga, George Soros. If I called them up right now and told them niggas I got 10 bands, I want some say-so. I got say-so. 
If you had ten bands, you just start your own. But what if I just want to say, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to start my own. I want to just have some say so on what y'all niggas do. I got ten bands. I got another ten <laughs> bands the next month. <laughs> Who would you be giving it to? Black Lives Matter, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, they would take the the, the little cornball ball headed nigger. <laughs> look like a dude we went to school with named Liddell. Lindell, remember him? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> this, dude, this dude is such a cornball looking dude, right? He would take your 10 bands and he would say, Welcome to the team. Okay, then, then what am I gonna get? Here's a megaphone. Here's, you ain't getting nothing. Oh, <laughs> nah, wait a minute. You ain't getting nothing. You got money. So obviously, if you're giving us 10000 now and another 10000 you don't need none of this cut. So he's going to take that 10000 He's going to give you an official shirt, probably in a hat, and the password to their email and all that bullshit. Now you're a part of the team. And they're going to take that ten grand and probably not report it to the head BLM. Take that ten grand and split it among them ten niggas or eight Ooh. niggas. All right, now see, I'll be on the... Because remember, I remember you got a phone call. I'm real hypersensitive. About, yeah, about reparations. I said, wait a minute. Yeah. Don't tell them you're going to do anything. Who who called you? And they wouldn't say who it was. They would And not, not only that, it fucked me up even more. She was like, you were, I was referred to call you. And I said, by who? She said, I can't tell you all that. I said, hey, whoa. Because I don't fuck with a whole lot of people, man. I'm a very, very private person. Right. There ain't a whole lot of people that can tell you, you know, they can give you my number, this and that, you know. That, so I, I call bullshit on that right away. I said, wait a minute. She said, yeah, uh, I was told to call you, you know. you can, And they wanted they wanted access to the Eritrean. Mm. And they wanted to know what the Eritreans thought about, uh... No, that's what it was. The guy said, you're the guy to talk to about the Eritreans of Minnesota, which I'm not. Right. There's heads, and I ain't one of them. You know, I ain't even shouldn't even be in the conversation for that. that like so I said, I call bullshit on that. And I said, why do you care about what the Eritreans think? They wanted to trump up support. Because here's the thing: when they rally, DP, when Black Lives Matter, here I'll paint you a scenario. Okay, a young man has died, young lady has died on the hands of police. Here comes BLM. From the, and they tell you when the rally is. It's going to be a couple of days afterwards at 4 o'clock on the Saturday. Okay. So everybody goes down there and they, you know, they got their microphones and they talking. Black lives, we matter here. Black lives, we matter here. They just keep saying that over and over and then they talk about what happened and they'll pray. And so and now as all that is going on, there's somebody, probably depending on how big of a crowd there is, two people walking around with a donation jar. Mm. Okay. So the treasurer or the financial guy at the end of the evening is supposed to take that money and send it all to BLM, put it in the BLM account. At the end of the month or every two weeks, BLM, the head BLM headquarters will see how much Minnesota got. Made so if Minnesota made ten thousand a month. They'll split two thousand five hundred amongst them eight or ten people that are official BLM Minnesota. So that's what you would be paying into if you if you paid to join that crew. 
you would be paying ten thousand dollars to probably get four or five hundred a month and hustle. So that's why they jumped right away when the kid they didn't even see the situation. Wait a minute, he put a black black family in danger. They didn't see none of that. All they seen is potential money and money from idiots. Because one thing them whiteies, them like whites like that lady that tried to check me, one thing they do is they spend. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They'll spend and they want their friends to spend and you know so they'll put a couple hundred in the jar. That's how they make their money. Man, yeah, you know, this is a money making endeavor. Don't, don't, Whenever don't. Ben Crump if a black if a black child is killed or a black man or woman is killed by a police, Ben Crump is gonna make a couple million dollars. He knows that. If they did it in, unjustly, that's a couple million for me. Think of that. You know, think of that. Now he's smart. He because basically he bumped Sharpton and your boy uh, Jesse. Yeah, he bumped them out the way. Yeah, but yeah. to not have no animosity, he'll bring them in and give them a payday. You know, so if I'm going to if Ben Crump's going to make eight or nine million on this death, he might you know hey Reverend Al, why don't you come on down? We will throw you a couple hundred grand to talk to the people. Come on, Jesse, come on down, and get you a couple hundred grand. And Reverend Rat keep Sharpton, the peace. Reverend Rat Sharpton, we'll take and Jesse, you know, and, and they'll co-sign Crump. Old Crump. That's Crump how Crump. I travel. Crump, yeah, that's how I travel. You know, I got jets. I'm that kind. Why? Of, that's I'm that kind of guy. That, and and they'll. Co-sign. What law have you passed? Nah, he ain't passed nothing. What law have you passed? You just see some black people dead. And you just start hooping and hollering and making some comments and some statements, and all of a sudden, you you were running around in jets. How hard is that? I mean, realistically, man, a whole lot of foundational should have been doing that. When is Al Sharpton? When have you ever heard him talk about reparations? Never. Foundational. When have you ever heard Jesse Jackson talk about reparations? He might have. I don't know. I'm not. I haven't heard Jesse speak as much as Reverend Al. Well, Reverend Al just Reverend Al is uh event most um I've heard I heard a a race soldier earlier this morning who <laughs> 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 talking about the case that happened with the kid in Memphis and he was like yeah and that ambulance chase of Ben Crump's already on the case <laughs> he's not these guys are not ambulance chasers they're tombstone chasers which is even worse. I don't even think you, I mean, for, for for Ben Crump to get involved in the police beating, he'd have to beat you to death. I mean, they ain't going to, or some shit like Rodney King, the police just punch you in the mouth. He ain't, they ain't a big enough bag. No, it's not. Yeah, like if you call Ben Crump right now, hey, I have it on camera, police twisted my arm, and he broke my wrist. He ain't doing shit. He said, what, what else? Nothing. I just got a broken wrist. Oh, they ain't a big enough bag. Yeah, I can't get involved Crump, in that. You never, you, when you get Crump on the line, Crump might even get real. Crump might even say this to you. Well, you ain't, you, you're not dead, is you? Oh, no, I ain't dead, Crump. You yeah, said, well, yeah, I can't yeah. help you. You know, I only yeah. handle, com- I only handle uh, cases like Armand Aubrey. Armand Aubrey. Yeah, he, 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 he going to say something like that. Oh, yeah. Crump- that white dude was mad. He said that that ambulance chase of Ben Crump's already on the case trying to pollute the family. Oh man, listen Bad. to this. No, listen to this. This is listen, listen to this here. Yeah, this is old. What's that coon ass nigga that's on CNN? What's his name? 
You know who I'm talking about. He I'm was interviewing about. the family. Yep. Don Cherry. What's his oh, name? Don Lemon. Don Lemon. Lemon, Lemon, Lemon yeah. Don Lemon. And guess what? And look who's sitting right there by him. Crump. Paris. Ben Crump. I seen that interview. The kid gets to crying. What's his name? Lemon. He gets yeah, look, crying. Look Thank you so much. Talking about I was raised by a I black really woman too. Yeah, I don't know how you're holding up and able to do this under these circumstances. But we're certainly grateful. To cut the check, you. motherfucker. This is look. This is the same nigga that when Mike Brown got killed, he said, "Uh, you know, are are, are you smelling weed? Let me pull that up for you." Let me pull that yeah, up. Yeah, Kali. Didn't Kali go off on him about Kali, that? Kali kind of got on him a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah, like, why are you worried Brown? about some weed, man? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Don Lemonade. You know, one of them Black Lives Matter niggas got slapped. <laughs> what? Where? Yeah, one of the black. I don't have it on tape. But, oh but man! Basically, what Mike Brown? Slap. Yeah, Black Black Lives Matter. They really started to get. They really started to get their their forces kicking down in Ferguson. They went down there and said, okay, we can yeah. infiltrate the, gla- the grassroots. There was this one brother. He was a rider. His name was uh, 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 Darren Seal. He was with the family of Mike Brown. And he, he was like, he was one of the real revolutionary dudes. They found his, they found him burnt up in a car. Yeah, I wonder who did that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then they found, you were, you were finding other cases of brothers being lynched down there too. Getting found up in trees and all kind of shit. All the riders they found, they killed all the riders. So... Um, some nigga, I think his name was D-Ray, D-Ray McKesson. He was some LGBT nigga. I guess he went down there in Ferguson trying to infiltrate, and Darren Seal slapped the fuck out the nigga. Slapped the shit out of his ass. I think Jesse Jackson went down there and ran that nigga out of town. Like, they were in there basically trying to do do what all these ambul- these tombstone chaser niggas was doing. And the niggas down in Ferguson wasn't having it. But what they did is they infiltrated... What it is is they want to get around the parents. They want to get around the parents if they can. Right. Yeah, so, you see that. Let me see if I can find it. Don Lemon. Let me type in Don Lemon and Ferguson. Let me see if I can find that. Here it is. Wait a minute, I think I got it. Don Lemon was speaking to rapper Talib Kweli, politically active and opposed to like... You talk. I want to address Can something. What happened with that? The first, the first thing in the story it says is police chase down men. Well, oh, let me finish, let me finish my point. That's not what happened where you were. I was there right there with, and with the article, the, the situation he was talking about, I was right there. That's yes, what happened. That's let not, me finish that's my point. That's not what happened where you were. Let me finish my... That's exactly what happened. I'm going to let you finish your point. No, you're not because you're talking. Yes, I am. I'm going to let you finish your point. Let me finish my point before you talk. Okay, let me finish my point before you talk. I want to address something you said. We don't have to have an interview if I can't talk. If I can't talk, we don't have to have an interview. Okay. Okay, I actually I love that clip because you know, thing you're talking even down let me down. Mm-hmm. The CNN report, the headlines said you wanted to cut so uh talk to him before the We gotta find the no, I gotta find the one where he started talking about weed. He was on some real coon shit. Where where is it yeah, at? Yeah, I remember that. Where is it at? Don yeah, Lim- he said, I smell Don marijuana. Lim- yeah, he said I smell marijuana. Now we we got a Don Lemon. He was down there cooning it up. Let me see. 
I'm trying to find this. We got to find this, bro. see here a handful of witnesses to this shooting of michael brown they have come forward but we're hearing that there may be many more people who saw what happened but are afraid to speak out now i want you to listen to what one young man who wants to remain anonymous told me today i believe definitely yes at all because people are scared when the police were out there the first time, they were walking up to people that had cameras, taking their cameras and things like that. Then the next day, the, a, a reason that people are scared, while the protest was going on in Ferguson, detectives came around asking all the women in our apartment complex for uh, people's Facebook pages, and they were trying to get information on who Now, had this is COINTELPRO. This is something that I haven't heard this before, but this is COINTELPRO, bro. That's what Pete. That's the thing. See, this is my issue with Black Lives Matter. When Black Lives Matter gets their money and they little cloud and they little LGBT little little, little uh, propaganda going on, whatever they were trying to do, because that's that was they, what they was really trying to do. They were trying to use a, a black death so they could fund their own little intersectionality bullshit or whatever. You got what 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 this brother was saying. You had police going to black women in the complex, asking them what their Facebook accounts was. So what this is, is this is a, this is like an MK Ultra investigation. This is a Cohen. This is COINTELPRO. This is the same shit they did in the Panthers. This is a COINTELPRO investigation. They're not investigating the race soldier to kill Mike Brown. They're looking at anybody that might have that evidence that might be able to convict the race soldier. So that's my main issue, bro, with Black Lives Matter is, yeah, after the smoke clears, y'all don't really give a fuck about what happens to them black folks down there. You don't no, really give a damn. It's a money-making endeavor. And their lives are in jeopardy. See, when they're going to the when they're going to when they're going to people's houses, that they, they showing up like the plantation overseer, threatening people, intimidating them. You see what I'm saying? So and like I said, uh, they were down there. They tried to go down there and infiltrate, and um, that 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 was their stardom. Like, let me see if I can go to Black Lives Matter Court. See if that's still up. Black Minnesota wing. Now, I I, I want to go to the main court. BlackLivesMatter.com. Okay, they're still up. So so now before remember. Oh, I'll be damned. This wasn't here before. Now it says BLMHBCU. Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. What is this? Student Solidarity Fund. Student Solidarity Fund, an extension of the Black Lives Matter Survival Fund which where we gave $3 million in micro grants to black individuals. See, they probably put this together because they got a lot of backlash from all the money that they were just blowing and bullshitting around. Now listen to this. It's micro grants to black individuals, families, small business owners, and other folks experiencing hardship. What do you mean other folks? Who's other folks? 
this supposed to be for black folk. Right. <laughs> what does other folks mean? See, anytime you hear minorities, disenfranchised, intersectionality, underprivileged, no, black. Remember my last one? Remember when I did my, my last podcast, I did the comparison between the immig- the, the black caucus, I call it the immigrant black caucus, the, 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 the black congressional caucus, them sambos, and the Hispanic caucus. When you look at the Hispanic caucus, they say Hispanic more than five times. They don't say people of color. They don't say minorities. They don't say disenfranchised. When you look at the black the black caucus website, they start talking about Trump. They start talking about people of color, disenfranchised. They say black maybe two or three times. Like, nigga, y'all the black caucus. What are y'all there for? You're worthless. Do you know, man, if you were to lock them niggas up and send them to Guantanamo Bay tomorrow, we wouldn't lose no sleep. None. They're absolutely worthless. They do. I'm telling you, if you if you were to if you were to take all them niggas and just send their ass to Guantanamo Bay and never see them again, it would do nothing. Eight years strong. Okay, let's look at this. Now let's go to about about Black Lives Matter. Now they changed it because a lot of black folks started saying, "Hey, wait a minute." Now look at this. Founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer. Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation is a global organization in the U.S., U.K., and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power. So, you know, black my, I have a personal thing about Black Lives Matter Corporation. I think they ain't shit for what they did. But also, it puts a bad light on the local Black Lives Matter chapters that are state to state. For those that are on code or might be on code, because now whenever I hear the word black lives matter, I'm like, man, now listen to this. They still, they still pushing it. We affirm the lives of black, queer and trans folk, disabled folks, undocumented folks, folks with records, men or uh, uh, women. And it says with records, women and all black lives along the gender spectrum. Our network centers those who have been marginalized with black within black liberation movements. That's intersectionality talk. That's that. Oh, that's that intersectionality talk. Because what it is, is you founded this on Trayvon Martin and you use, and they use the momentum of Mike Brown's murder. That's what really got them into the mix. But, but you see down here on their website, black queer and trans folks, Mike Brown and Joe and Mike Brown was not black and queer. He wasn't disabled. He wasn't undocumented. He didn't have a record. You see what I'm saying? So what they're basically saying is, Hey, we going to use these straight black men. And what we're going to do is we're going to override who they are. So we can have our little sexual sick endeavors. That's really what they're saying, bro. They're really saying this shit. Okay, 3.9 million followers. I'm looking on their Instagram. 
Martin <laughs> I'm Luther surprised King. it ain't more than that. Martin Luther King Day. They put up Martin Luther King Day. Talking about revelatory revolutionary. We honor Martin Luther King. You don't honor Martin Luther King. You know why? Because if Martin Luther King was alive today, he would say to hell with them little lesbian bitches. Oh, King would have got on their ass. You're not going to use black, straight black men so y'all can line your pockets and buy mansions? We're not going to do that. King was for reparations. Did I ever play you that stuff? Now, look at this here. Okay, Brittany Gritter is free. Whatever. Uh, Then they show some illegals. Oh, no, these are Afro-Mexicans. Okay, no. Then they show some, some more dumb shit. Now, this is Black Lives Matter. Now, look at this. They got some woman with hair... They got some woman with, with long ass nails. You know them long little witch nails that these hood rats be wearing? And it shows collard greens and deviled eggs and mashed potatoes as, as on top of her fingernails. What the fuck does that got to do with Mike Brown? You see what I'm saying? They got a bunch of dumbass shit on here. They got they talking about Candace Owens, Black Trans Lives Matter, period. Don't nobody give a damn about that. No, they 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 just looking for any reason to Happy Pride kill the credibility. I'm telling you, man, these niggas ain't shit. These niggas ain't shit. In white supremacy, y'all are a part of it. Black women are very divine. much so. Black women are divine. Black women are divine. I'm, see all this feminist talk in qualified immunity, in memory of Trayvon Martin, Josephine Baker. Do you notice they don't got what they don't got up here? They ain't got Shahrazad Ali. They ain't got John Henry Clark. You notice that? They ain't got they ain't got Dr. Francis Crest Welding up here. No. Yeah. They ain't got none of that. They ain't got the none of that. Yeah. DP, I'm going to have to get off the uh, line with your listeners here. I'm getting a little tired. No, it's all good. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. I, but I it was a pleasure you. to be on. It was a pleasure to be on with everybody. Until next time, man, be safe and stack your money. Stack your bread. Get that LLC. Stack your bed, baby. Get your LLC. Okay, now. All right, y'all take good care. Night. Peace. Yeah, man. These folks ain't shit. They use black men to fund their pockets. That's exactly what they did. We're going to do a BMF analysis. You guys will hear about that pretty soon here. One thing I want to do before we go is I want to play the trailer for Corsicana. This is based off of Bass Reeves' new movie by Isaiah Washington. It's going to be off the hook. Fair use, use, what fair use, want? fair use. Now that ain't no way to greet visitors. Just keep on riding. I don't think so, ma'am. We're gonna stay for a while. Darling, this game. This is gonna be off terrorize the Terrorize and kill anybody that get in that way. I assume you're a lawman? Admiral Marshall. You're leaving again now? Wherever this dollar ball goes, he leaves trail of bodies behind. Men, women, children. They rode it around there. 
started soon. If I don't stop it, I will have blood on my hand. I found this on the boy. He's been putting them on the victims ever since he killed your wife from your son. I'm gonna need you on my posse to stop him. You know I'm ready to ride. Big California. Oh, sharpshooter. Fair use. Do you understand what it feels like to not know if you're hurt, dead, or alive? Why did you become a preacher, man? To repent. I'm a killer. We all killers, Sam. And some men just need killing. Yeah, simple flank and shoot maneuver. You hit them from front. As soon as they get through Eagle Pass, get the job done. Get the Hell Brothers land. Get back. You feel that? He's coming. Boy, I tell you, when you get a foundational directing this, I'm a real foundational. I'm telling you. Who are you? Bass Reeves. And they said this was filmed in Corsicana, Texas. That's what's really that's what's really really dope about this. We appreciate y'all. We appreciate y'all listening tonight. Y'all take care. <laughs>